want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the PNR podcast. I am your alcoholic host, Michael B. Proud, and I have a very special guest with me. He's the fifth member of Rage Against the Machine. Say hello to the people, Lou. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on? You, How's it going, you guys? Like, you like that intro, right? I love it. <laughs> uh, today is episode 49, and it's, it's entitled The Drunk Episode. And uh, just let you know, I am fucked up right now. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna save, uh, I was gonna save how that I achieved that after the numbers and social media. But uh, I'm gonna tell you guys right now, I have, uh, I have Belvedere. It's my favorite vodka, and I had a triple of it, and I did it dirty with some Sprite on the rocks. So that's uh, how I achieved Nirvana, so to speak. Um. Lou, you want to share that with the people before we uh, commence with the episode? Uh, yeah, well, I I, uh, I used to work for uh, an alcohol distributor for a long time. My house is oh. just full of booze. My garage is full of booze. <laughs> this is this is true. I forgot to even mention. I had said to him earlier, I'm like, hey, I'm going to make a special point to mention that to the audience. Uh, and now that I'm wasted, like, uh, yeah, totally didn't remember to say that. <laughs> That's cool. But uh, I literally just grabbed a, a whiskey. It's not even that good. I am dying in my house right now. My AC is like broken and it's 90 something degrees here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, just, I just took some swigs of uh, fist. It's called Fistful of Bourbon. It's a cheap, shitty whiskey. Uh, I, I try to get rid of what I can. Uh, I'm also drinking a Truly. <laughs> Got to stay hydrated with that Truly, right? Exactly. <laughs> I uh, I had a big dinner. I had a ton of liquid uh, prior to my triple. And that triple still fucked me up because uh, Belvedere is probably like 80 proof. And I drank it very fast. And yeah, I'm I'm not like destroyed, but I'm way beyond buzzed. Like I'm definitely drunk right now. Let's, let's not even beat around the bush on that one. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, last night. What was that? I got absolutely wasted last night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the dog what 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 did you have? Um, whatever. I mean, uh, I had some whiskey. Um, I went through like seven Trulies. Yeah, took some edibles. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> Were you on stage last <laughs> night? No man, I'm watching, I was watching the game. Oh yeah, yeah, the Celtics played yesterday. See yeah, this how no, fucking I, obliterated I, I am. <laughs> I'm so drunk. I don't. I didn't even remember that the game was yesterday. Oh boy, was I? I was so happy like that entire game till like the last minute. Then I'm like, I just remember Marcus Smart like just chucking up threes. I'm like. What the fuck are you doing? We're only down by one, you know, try to get in the paint or whatever. That's the shit that irritates me about basketball. Tatum's decision making has been horrendous in this whole series. He's been not very good. No, I think he's playing hurt, though. Not as much as Robert Williams, but I think he's probably like the second most injured because yeah, normally so he would just fucking he'd be dunking on clowns and he's like doing these layups and they're not even like getting up nine feet in the air. So I'm like, he's definitely fucking hurt. 
I mean, he's what is he four turnovers away from breaking the uh, the playoffs record? <laughs> yeah, I just saw that today. He's four <laughs> away from the breaking the turnover record in the. That's it's that's a good bad. yeah, that's a good way to lose your fucking your. I hope they don't. I mean, I'm st- I still got them going in six because they won on the road once and they'll win in Boston again. I don't know. But I don't uh, know. no, See, I... I'm I'm like. I'm such a Debbie Downer. I want it so bad. I want I want it too bad, I think. You're the biggest Celtics homer I know, so I can't believe you're even a little down on them. <laughs> Cause, no, because I always think the worst is going to happen. When they were down 3-2 to the Bucks, I was like, well, that's it. I'm not going to see this again for another 15 years. <laughs> <I was laughs> that's like, so extreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Enough about how fucking drunk we are, how he got wrecked last night and he's drunk again. And uh, because we we need to record an episode. This is going to be two drunk guys talking about alcohol. Um, Normally, I'm not a guy who leans on his notes a whole hell of a lot, but I'm going to be doing it this episode. So uh, buckle up, Pander boys and Pander girls. (laughs) I have researched nothing. I have zero notes. Oh, well, yeah, like um, I'm going to elaborate a little more on what you said earlier. This guy really is an expert on alcohol, so he doesn't and he's not like it's because he's an alcoholic. He just he worked in the field for so long selling the stuff to people. So he knows all the brands and all the ABVs, all the prices, how it's made. Like he knows all that shit offhand. Me, uh, the biggest uh, uh, alcohol distributor in the U.S. Is that Uh, in Bev? Uh, it used to be called Young's Market. They were not, not uh, the biggest at that time. But right oh. when I left, they were acquired by um, R&D. I uh, thought uh, InBev was like the biggest <laughs> distributor because they bought um, Budweiser and all these other like brands. Oh, beer. Oh, so you're saying like spirits and whatnot then? Yeah, so I used to, I used to work for... Uh, Young's Market, they were like the second biggest um, at the time. Uh, then they got bought by R&D, uh, and now they are the biggest. Um, so I sold, I mean, tons of different alcohols um, and wines. I mean, thousands of brands. Um, and then mm-hmm. when I left there, I ended up working for a craft beer distributor. Um, so I'm very, it's been my entire life life selling booze and drinking it consuming it (laughs) (laughs) oh no i'm not an alcoholic yeah i I was gonna say you're still not an alcoholic though like you don't wake up and be like where's my jack daniels (laughs) i only week that's it saturday saturday is my drinking day i only drank last night because it was celtics in the finals and i was very sad (laughs) you know how i know i'm not alcoholic the the army told me because <laughs> you you have to be very blunt about your alcohol use and uh i'm sure motherfuckers are hiding it they're like yeah i never drink at all and they drink like every day but um i was very oh. honest about my alcohol use and i was two drinks by by monthly or bi-weekly rather and you have to be drinking way more than that to be an alcoholic in the army's eyes so oh yeah but there's still 
My amount of alcohol consumption was still discouraging, though, to the army. But I wasn't like a, a bona fide drunk where it's like they want to get my chain of command involved. They want me to go to fucking uh, what was that? A ASAP meetings or wherever it is, like their their rehab program. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I always was uh, honest about when they questioned me about it. But, yeah, even that amount, though, was concerning to them, though. I'm like. I'm not even getting I'm not even getting drunk. Yeah, they'd be mortified with your weekly. They'd be this this guy drinks weekly. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Uh, I was working uh, when I was working at Young's. I drank all day, every day, pretty much. I mean, it wouldn't be. um, (laughs) Holy shit. It's a lot of tasting. Uh, You know, by the end of the night, I'm like, oh, it's just it's like more exhausting than anything. I'm not talking about like frat party, like chugging and stuff but throughout the day you're, constantly, when you're trying to sell booze people want you to taste it with them you know oh, so they know course. you're not bullshitting them. um yeah, and then because... a lot of times i have to schmooze uh accounts and you know just spend a lot of money there and um yeah it, it's it sounds real fun for and it is for like a month and then the rest of your career is job. it's kind of uh it's it's over annoying i i've definitely uh had too much fun uh a couple nights but i i've always ubered i like leave so bad when you have to leave your car at an account hey why did why did you leave your car here last night it's because like you motherfuckers got me drunk trying to sell oh, yeah, alcohol they, <laughs> they know they know i'd be drinking like years and stuff so they know <laughs> oh man i would still i would like to give that job a try but it's like you said i'd probably after a month i'd be like what the fuck am i doing (laughs) it just becomes a job like on the weekends you don't want to drink at all (laughs) see i like drinking on my weekends so i wouldn't want that to be ruined by my job yeah that's why now i work at this tech company it's great now i can actually enjoy like going out to bars and stuff (laughs) there's so many jobs that are like that though like like if you're a movie critic you probably watch a movie like that for the rest of your life for so movies when you're just not even working are probably ruined for you because you're like oh i gotta look at the cinematography and the stunt work and you know whatever those movie critics like to point out yeah of course so i yeah it's probably oh man i'm so drunk it's probably not good to uh you know have like something that you're passionate about do it as your job because sometimes that could happen and that sucks i think the only time where that's probably not the case is when you're a pro athlete because it's like if i liked playing this game as a kid i'm still liking this game as an adult i just got to take it a little more serious because i want to get that paycheck that next contract and whatnot so yeah there's definitely people that are definitely over it though i mean what's that guy uh what's that what's that ufc fighter patty the baddie you know that guy uh that doesn't i i don't follow ufc like i used to like when chuck liddell and like tito ortiz and um randy couture and guys like that were fighting i used to follow the shit out of that sport i don't follow it so much anymore well there's this uh this guy he's been champion i don't know if he, i don't really follow it too closely either but uh he was like hey look like i don't i never make fun of fat people if i could if i could just be fat and like do whatever i want and just do you know i didn't have to 
be in shape for my job, I would totally do that. He's like, I just do this. I beat people up. I get paid, not because I like it. Uh, I like, think he just summed up the philosophy of everybody in the army simultaneously. Because <laughs> we'd all be fat and lazy if, uh, you know, we'd get promoted for it. So, <laughs> but uh, you got to be able to do PT tests. Otherwise, yeah, you'll get kicked out eventually if you fail enough of those. So, <laughs> um. I I feel like uh, you asked me the other day the episode number because you wanted to do numbers. I'll let you lead off if that's that was what the case was. It's really not. Uh, yeah, I was just curious. I didn't really research anything. Just um, oh, we're forty nine. This is forty nine, right? That's correct. So shout out to forty niners. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Shout out to Alaska, forty nine state, <laughs> and then. Fun fact, there's only been two NBA players ever in history to wear the number 49, and no one would know who they are. So I'm not even going to attempt to say the names. That is true, They're- because I, I looked at the Celtics for 49s, <laughs> and it went from like Aaron Baines, 46, to like, I don't remember who even wore 50 off the top of my head, but there was definitely not a 49 on the Celtics. Because if there was even one, I would have pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. No, there was like two people ever (laughs) (laughs) they were like the 15th man that (laughs) so they definitely didn't even see the floor (laughs) wore street clothes every game (laughs) um we're gonna lead off with the most obvious and the the best loved 49 tim wakefield of course and uh my worst memory one of my worst memories is actually of Tim Wakefield. Do you know what I'm going to bring up real quick? I don't know. Fucking Boone. Oh, 2003 yeah. ALCS. Yeah. They were like, I don't know, in the 20th inning or something, and all their pitches were getting tired. And like, let's throw out Tim. He can throw like 12 innings if we need him to. So he <laughs> goes out there, and, you know, he Boone caught the ball the right way, and see you later. Yep. And uh, the only good thing about that was the Yankees lost the World Series, but I didn't even want them to go to the World Series. I wanted the Red Sox to win the pennant. So, But uh, 2004, we went, we saw, we kicked its ass, and uh, yeah, things have been okay since then because we got four pennants, four World Series. So, Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Remember we got bonuses? Uh, I don't think I was working at uh, O at the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Shout out to Olympia. Yeah, like every, <laughs> I think like every worker, no matter if you were. Oh, yeah, be- because they were going to they cleaned up on that. So even giving you a bonus. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like they could have gave you like 100 bucks and they, they knew they were going to sell that merchandise in like within like four seconds at any store. So they yeah, I remember it was that so quick. It wasn't anything super crazy, but every I know everybody got something. That's yeah, that's still nice of them to do that because they could have said, "Uh, fuck you, we're gonna carry on as we usually do," and you get no bonus. Yeah, that's pretty. Dope. And you would have said, "Thank you, sir. May I have another?" Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never got I, I you know what my bonus at Olympia was diddly squat. That's why uh, <laughs> I got no bonuses there, even during the sixteen and O season when we sold all those T-shirts that said "Perfect Season." I got 0% of that money. Well, yeah, it was a perfect regular season. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
If they went, uh, I just have a feeling though. If they went nineteen and zero, I still would have got a, a bonus amount of exactly zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had already won championship of uh, Super Bowls by then. This is true. I think that would have been like their fourth. Oh, four Red Sox was like the first time in like eighty six years. So, so yeah, that's a that's that's a tad bit different. Was the reason to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> we should have went to the Super Bowl in 76. So this is the Patriots uh, Super Bowl history real brief before we continue. They should have went to the Super Bowl in 76. They didn't make it that year. Oakland went and won. So what you're essentially having that year is something that the Patriots had another year with the Colts where whoever won that AFC championship was a lock to win the Super Bowl. Oakland won in that year. So Patriots didn't. Patriots went 85. Bears were way better. We had a shot, but our, our guy got injured to like start the game. So 44 to 10 loss. Packers, Desmond Howard pulled away. So again, that, that was that's that's two Super Bowls we actually played in three. We could have been that. I think even the Patriots team was better than that Oakland team in 76, but you know, this is why they play the game because Oakland played a better game and was able to go. That's how these things go, because like exactly, like I said, they they play the game for that reason because any team can win on any given time. It's yeah, why football, football's football's like, more notorious than any sport about doing that. Uh, I don't know. Even though it's a long series, hockey is you can never tell. You just can't. I can't get a good grasp. Like that, a team could just be all year, and then just the falls every year. That's super fair because um, I don't want to bring up the Bruins and the Blues, but the Bruins were the better team that year and that series, and the Blues still pulled it off. Yeah. So that's uh, that's another game seven where it's like, you know, the better team lost, but that other team that sucked played better, and that's why they're the champion and the Bruins weren't. So hockey is probably second, but I feel like football, because there's only one game involved in anything you do football-wise the better team can win that day. I mean, the better team can lose that day. And then, you know, that's, that's just it for it. While with basketball, hockey, and baseball, they have all these multiple games. So it's like you can kind of adjust and maybe bounce back. Can't do that with football. That's true. Um, the next guy I want to mention is another pitcher, Jamie Moyer. And that, that name might not strike you, Does but not. what? Why I mentioned Jamie Moyer is because he played for like a billion years. <laughs> he he started like when he was in his early 20s and he went till he was like 49 or 50. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I got it. That's no pitcher really does that because <clears throat> a pitcher gets their arm burnout so easy unless they're even like a Tim Wakefield who played for a while. He was he it, was up there, man. Wakefield yeah. There. Wakefield was up there but not 50, and it's only because he was a knuckleball pitcher, which is going to bring me to my Schilling. next guy. Schilling was up there, too. Um, what's weird about Schilling, though, is he was a fastball pitcher, so you would have thought his arm would have burned out by his 40, but, uh, you know, that doesn't apply to everybody, I guess, because then you have a guy like Randy Johnson. It's like the same thing. I was, he was, just, like, gonna, I was just gonna say <laughs> that. That was I, the next person I was gonna say. Uh, do you know the weird fact about him? I don't know if this is true, but maybe you and I are in the same wavelength. And if you, th if you're thinking the same thing as me, maybe it is true. What's that? 
he's the oldest guy to pitch uh, a no hitter. Oh yeah. I, I think he was that. like 43 yeah. or something when he pitched a no. Dude, so I'm I'm uh way younger than that right now and I couldn't pitch a no hitter to like a little league team right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's incredible that he's 43 and he could do that. <laughs> But he's also 6'10", and he was already like a 20-year veteran in the MLB at that point. So. And I love Randy Johnson. I did, and I didn't. He was like one of my favorite non-Red Sox players. Uh, you want to know who mine was? Probably. I don't even know this for sure, but uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, of course. When I was <laughs> Griffey posters, I mean, Griffey was Michael Jordan when we were kids. I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right down to having a Nike contract. Yeah, he was everywhere, man. Yeah, in every commercial, he was like cameo and shows and stuff. Like it was crazy. It's because he he had every like cereal and he had such a nice swing, and it was like effortless. And um, you didn't look at that guy and be like, oh, he's powerful, like the fucking steroid abusers of the day. But he every time he went to the bat, you thought he might hit a home run. And his. The other side of the game, like he was a two-way player, man. He was sick in the field. Oh yeah, he'd cover the entire outfield, all three fields. Yeah, and was... uh, just speed for days. Uh, I remember him almost doing the Bo Jackson thing, where he could go against a wall and make catches. Not where Bo Jackson would actually run straight up the wall, but Griffey was doing that sort of thing though, where he's like, "Okay, I know where the warning track is. I'm gonna have to throw my body against the wall to catch the ball." So like he was good at even just, you know, do because a lot of those guys don't do that unless they're already waiting for it at the wall. But Griffey yeah. was one of those guys where he's standing in like center center field and he just runs backwards and he's like, OK, I'm going to scale this wall real quick and get this ball. <laughs> he was also very, very marketable. Um, yeah, I guess just people like the guy. My, you know, my biggest memory of him is as a kid was he would wear his hat backwards. Yeah. And I know that's not a big deal. But back then, all the players were like, they just wear their hat straight forward and stuff like that. Griffey wasn't doing that. So that was one thing where it's already like, wow, he's he's a lot cooler than these other guys. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and he was like, he never got into any trouble. He seemed like no, a nice, no, guy, no. A nice smile. Like he was just incredible, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. He wasn't. He, he wasn't like a lot of, you know, there's always these guys that are stars or whatever, and they're always getting in trouble. Griffey just wasn't one of those type. And that's not to say all stars do, but there's, there's always just a few in every league that they get like star status and then they can't like refuse being just like a fucking complete dirtbag after. Like Manny Ramirez. <laughs> well, he, Manny, yeah, Manny a little bit. Uh, you know who sticks At out to me the most? Career, he came a dirtbag. Well, yeah. <laughs> Once he took the the female hormone to counteract the the male steroids he was using or whatever, that that was that was it for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know who sticks out the most to me, and this is because I've I've known people that have worked at TD Garden. And guess who I'm going to say? Kyrie Irving. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Kyrie Irving is such a fucking scumbag in like his private life or whatever. Like he just treats people like complete shit. And, you know, you're not seeing that guy on the news for like, oh, he got these chicks pregnant and uh, he fucking raped all these people or, you know, typical scumbag stuff that makes the news. But he, uh, he Carl just, Malone. 
Carl Malone. Carl Malone. The, the oh, mailman. He impregnated a thirteen-year-old. He impregnated a thirteen-year-old when he was twenty years old. He's a fucking scumbag. I what don't. Do <laughs> uh let's put it this way uh, somebody sweep that story under the rug before i go oh, so you serious? how did you not know that i did i'm sorry that's very well known he uh, is a scum what kobe bryant did in aspen is very well known carl malone with a 13 yeah, year old kobe. i don't remember hearing that story well that was before like social media too <laughs> so wasn't kobe bryant well, yeah, one night Google in aspen right but i'm telling you google it <laughs> I promise you I'm not making this up. I, I can't believe you don't know this. I'm drunk and I don't want to fuck up my setup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to move on because even though I, I love talking with Lou and I want a three hour episode, I at least want to uh, get these. Uh, my buddy's uh, coming to fix my AC so I don't uh, die. Uh, how many hours can you set aside? Uh, as long as we're done by like eight, I'm good. So we're good. Oh, so then we can't have a three hour episode. It'd be cutting it close to that point. But uh um <laughs> it's six, six twelve here. Well we'll get a two hour episode. That's about what we did last time. I think it was like two and a half when we did South Park. Oh, I can't wait to do season South Park with you, by the way. That's gonna be fun too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Jamie Moyer, I want to mention him, Red Sox guy, played a billion years in the league. Moving on to Hoyt Wilhelm, who I bring up because he's another knuckleballer, and uh he's another guy who played 20 years in the league. And um, last pitcher, Red Sox guy. I think he might have led in saves before he retired, and then it was like Hoffman and then uh, Mariano Rivera. But Lee Smith, do you remember Lee Smith? Mm, sounds familiar, but no. He might have. He, he played with the Sox from like '88 to '90, so that the Sox tenure was before your time. But he was in the league for another four years or six years after, I think, because um, he wore '49 with the Expos. Of all fucking teams, so, <laughs> and then I I want to mention a couple more Boston guys before we move on the social media and then uh, lose list. So we got Joe Cardona, very talented long snapper, Navy guy. Everybody knows how I feel about the Navy, so I'm, you know, happy that he served. Thank you for your service, but Navy sucks compared to Army. So, because they just fucking hang on a boat somewhere and launch cruise missiles, and we actually fucking put boots in the ground and do some shit. So. <laughs> and then uh That's <laughs> and, and then uh you know you mentioned alaska earlier which is funny because uh my next guy my last guy that i mentioned with the 49 is joe juno which is oh. uh had a couple years with boston and then had some very good years with washington because that's how that always fucking goes so uh <laughs> just shout out to him real quick uh, i think he had three years with uh, the boston bruins so and I think we we traded him straight up for Ally Frady, if I'm I'm not mistaken. So God, I've him forever. <laughs> yeah, that was another guy. Short. It's like, oh, we're glad to have him. We have short tenure in Boston. We don't keep guys for like we used to, because you look at these guys like Milt Schmidt and like um, freaking Johnny Busick and guys like that, and it's like we kept them along forever. But there's other guys like. I don't know, even Bobby Orr, who's like one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman ever to play the game. We didn't have him very long. It's like we had him for like, I don't know, six or seven years or something. I'm like, okay, your knees are garbage. You're going to Chicago, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't we don't keep guys very long, even though we're like 
we're big on hockey. We're not Detroit, but I mean, we're big on hockey. Uh, besides that, I guess this is always me a basketball town though. Ever since you know Bill Russell and all those teams just dominated. So yeah, and Sox, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't for sure. I'd, I'd say the Sox are number one in Boston, anyways. Not to me personally, but <laughs> I Boston, don't. I, I don't so. disagree. I don't disagree with that because. The Red Sox are the only team where we like never worried about them relocating. So the Patriots were actually the team that almost very likely relocated. Yeah. They sure. they almost relocated in the 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 nineties. So unless you want me to do social media and then reopen a new one. That way there's nothing that even distracts you. Oh, it's up to you, man. I don't care. I'm down for whatever. I'm well, feeling loose right now. Well, <laughs> I'm like uh, water, and I'm like Bruce Lee. <laughs> As always, you can reach me on social media at Facebook, Polrel Pcast. It's P O L R E L P C A S T. The the first time I, I I contacted you with that that name, the, what what was your reaction? Wait, which name? The Polrel Pcast. Oh yeah, I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> I don't remember if I message you or not to say, hey, it's me, Mike, you know, add me or whatever. But I think I get that reaction from a lot of people like, who's this fucking con artist that's uh, <laughs> contacting me with such a name? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, it was like, please help me. My family is sick. I need money. <laughs> well, then you would have known it's uh... my memo. <laughs> I, I, you know what I get for a scam a lot is, uh, it's people I know that like their accounts got like fucking taken over by like a, a Nigerian prince or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, they'll contact me and be like, Hey, uh, how's it, do- how's it going or whatever? I'll be like, Oh, this guy's not talked to me in five years. I don't really like where this is going, <laughs> but so I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good or whatever. Just to see, you know what they're going to say to me. Like, oh, have you heard about the blah, blah, blah? I'm like, fucking blocked, deleted, fucking cast into the seventh ring of hell. Like, I I viciously uh, reprise them after they, they try to pull a scam on me. I wish I could just I could just meet these people and have them alone in a room for five minutes. That's how fucking irritated I am by scumbag uh, scam artists. But uh, that that would be illegal. <laughs> um. You can catch me on Twitter at sign the PNR podcast. And if you want to be a swell pal of mine and buy me a studio, I'm on Patreon. Uh, the space P space ampersand space podcast. I can't believe I get ampersand right twice now when I'm fucking drunk, but uh, nice. weirder things have happened. Very nice. Okay. You're good to go. All right. Cool. Yeah. So my list is um, wine. Uh, I used to work at a wine bar, uh, um, and I got my level one sommelier. Um, I love wine. I'd probably drink more white wine than red wine. Um, but any particular was, reason? Uh, well, I, it's what I know the most about for sure. Um, okay. I just really fell in love with it. Uh, if you are trying to get into wine, just read the wine Bible. It is an incredible book. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the lady's name that wrote it, but it's it it reads like a travel book this woman has traveled all over the world um and drank wine at all these crazy places 
the way she describes it, it's it's awesome. <laughs> and then I used to work at the wine bar. I've tasted so much wine. I used to run the wine program at uh, a country club uh, right down the street. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to put on like wine dinners and stuff. I drink. I love white wine. Um, I don't care if it makes me a Nancy. Uh, <laughs> badass no, a nancy would be like oh i have one bud light and uh oh i'm blacked out after that's <laughs> that's nancy territory right there <laughs> i think it's also i live in california oh there you go you got access to all the good stuff oh no i'm just saying with the white wine it's too damn hot most of the time to be drinking red oh. wine it's like <laughs> uh or the winter you know the winter I, here gets like 55 that's our winter Oh, that's incredible. Uh, winter here. You already know because you're from the area. But I mean, I'm just going to re- refresh your memory real quick. Uh, it's always like the 20s and there's like three inches of snow every time I wake up. So <laughs> that's um, I'm pretty jealous of because uh, I remember that I didn't have it that warm when I lived out in California. But um, so my winter in Monterey was it was kind of near that. That was like 45 on like the coldest day. So. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I live uh, about three and a half hours from Paso Robles. Um, yeah. Like you, you live in Los Angeles, right? Or live, LA County, at least. Yeah. I live like very Eastern part of LA County. So you uh, live in like San Gabriel then? Uh, Very close. Yes. So, um, Cause um, I thought the East, the, the East Valley. Valley, San Gabriel and the South Valley is uh, San Fernando. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you got it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I lived out there for a little while, so I wanted to know uh, my surroundings. <laughs> yeah. I'm real close to San Gabriel Valley. I know. Uh, I know San Diego up to Eureka. So <laughs> um, Paso is amazing. It's like a less expensive Napa. Um they, I w- oh uh, I hate to cut you off. I was uh, I just want to tell this real quick. I was uh, out in Paso Robles for a day, and uh, shout out to the Wolf Burger Bar. I think that was the name of the the place I got the burgers at. They were amazing, and uh, everybody who worked there though was a teenage boy, which I found odd because there was about eight people that were working there, and they were all teenagers. And I'm just like, why is there not one adult that's like supervising them at least? <laughs> but uh continue was this bar owned by kevin spacey uh (laughs) that would be kevin spacey's wet dream so (laughs) we need all young boys working here i just found it odd that there was so many employees there because if there was one or two and they were both like teenage guys then it's like okay that's whatever I, i there was like so many people working there and not one of them was an adult so i'm like this is very odd right now but I guess maybe the guy was really young or whatever who either owned it or his parents owned it. And then he's just like hired all his friends or something. That's probably what, what the situation was. Paso Robles is like its own thing. You know, it's like all there is, there is wineries. That's it. There's like a couple restaurants, like places close super early. Um, They they have like one dive bar. (laughs) I think the dive bar was actually next to that burger restaurant. I went to, (laughs) <laughs> uh, the uh, other like seafood place there it's like a mexican seafood place i miss uh, california like it's not my favorite state but it's probably like second or third 
it's the most expensive to live in. It's insane over here, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I was there, four thirty for gas in Monterey, and then I went to San Bruno once to buy gas. Like I've been to San Bruno a couple times, but San buying Bruno, gas right. there, it was like five sixty, and it was like the worst neighborhood in the world. I was like, I thought you know the Tenderloin was like the most dangerous place in San Francisco. It was this one little nook in San Bruno that is. <laughs> Fuck, what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> White uh, wine, California, Paso Robles. Oh, yeah. Paso Robles is awesome. Uh, I'm a wine club member to a couple wineries there. Um, shout out to Top. If you don't know about Top, look them up. T-O-P. Best wine in Paso, in my opinion. Really cool place. Owned by a really cool family, too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man. I could talk. I could do a, a podcast series on wine. Um, well yeah, you know way more than me about it <laughs> you know like everything else has ingredients and stuff but like a lot of especially old world like uh, old world is like you know like england and france and uh spain portugal germany um they like they have laws where you can only grow these specific grapes in this area <laughs> you know this uh, is true it's uh, why so it's, uh champagne is so unique in <clears throat> france because they only they have such strict regulations about and the same like you mentioned with germany they're very fierce about like the beer and um like you can only add certain ingredients to the beer and stuff like that like the old world like lou's saying is like very particular and like their uh their restrictions and stuff as far as this stuff goes yeah for sure like bordeaux Yep, that's another uh, region of France where it's like they're very particular about what you can do with the wine there. There's five, uh, what was it five, uh, five, five red and four white grapes that are allowed to be grown in Bordeaux. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I can't think. Of, um, oh god, I'm not sober enough to think of the white ones. The red ones, <laughs> Cab Blow, Cab Franc, um, Carmenere. What's the other one? Uh, Petit Verdot. See, don't even, they don't even use Carmenere over there anymore. It's actually used uh, South America. They grow Carmenere. They don't. They don't really grow it anymore in Bordeaux. Um, just Lady, because global. Ladies one. and gentlemen, did I tell you this guy's not an expert or what? <laughs> okay. He knows the variety <laughs> of grapes that they grow in Bordeaux. Uh, that's not very impressive. That is to me because I didn't know anything about this. I was like, okay, they use uh, red red grapes and uh, white grapes. <laughs> it's like, and you know, uh, three, you know the only three um, grapes um, that can be used in champagne. No, but I did know that. Like I had mentioned when you said it's very restrictive, champagne was one of the the regions where they're very restrictive. Yeah, so it's just uh chardonnay pinot meunier and um uh pinot noir see that's what makes you an expert though <laughs> you say it's not very impressive but no one else that's listening is a sommelier <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't know i feel like people might know that that's why when you see like um when you look at champagne if it says like blanc de blanc that means it's white to white two, yeah so it's there's no pinot noir in it because uh, Pinot Noir is a red grape, is yeah, no. but the skin the skin is red. 
Oh, yeah. I um, I was going to explain that when I talked about wine myself is you get the color from the amount of grape skin that is left over and not particularly even the color of the grape, which I found odd. So I would have thought, oh, you know, certain grape of a certain color, it automatically does that. That's not so much the case. It's um, what they do with the skin and how long they leave it in that that provides the color. That's why there's three different colors to wine. Even there's red, white and uh, rosé. And it's because of uh, the length of uh, what it they do. With like it. But uh, I don't even need to talk about that now because I talked about it now. <laughs> Which is a funny way to put it because I just used now twice. <laughs> and then there's uh, like champagne also has like, or sparkling wine, I should say. Carbonation. There's, like, yeah, there's the champagne method, which means it's on lees. Lees is like the dead yeast. Oh, yes. Um, it's the residue at the bottom of uh, the process, basically. It's the dead yeast. That's it, has, it has a texture akin to sand. Yeah, but it gives it like this bready uh, flavor. See, I did a little bit of the studying myself. I don't know if I'm a sommelier, uh, <laughs> perhaps, but uh, yeah, I, I brushed up on my wine a little bit. <laughs> um, Australia has some badass wines. Yes. Um, oh, what was that stupid uh, kangaroo wine? Yellow Yellowtail, I think. is Yellowtail really made a bad name for them, but <laughs> um, they, like Penfolds is from Australia. They make some incredible wines. They make really good Cab and Syrah, or they call it Shiraz over there. Um, you know uh, what grape is uh, native to Iran and makes wine, right? Oh, my God, man. Uh, I can't <laughs> remember. Shiraz, like you just mentioned. That's a region oh, of Iran, and yeah, they grow that grape out there, and they they make well, they don't make a wine because they uh, alcohol is illegal in uh, Iran, but they at least make the grape for that wine, and uh, I'm sure the government gets kickbacks, even though they say, oh, well, you know, don't fuck with wine, because <laughs> that's yeah. how that works. <laughs> I only know that because uh, I can't get in the specifics of that, but I only know that for a reason. <laughs> yeah, cab can uh can grow like and Syrah can grow in like hot places oh well that's the thing even though grapes are native to such and such region they grow them all over the world now it's not just like oh you can only find that grape in so and so area but like lou had alluded to earlier some winemakers or whatever only take that grape only from the region or uh, region that it's origin to and i think that's because the government but might play a part in that like hey you need to source your grapes from this vineyard in this country or we'll totally not let you make the wine yeah but there there are grapes that only grow in certain conditions and this is you, true too then you have grapes like uh chardonnay is like super versatile it can grow in cold climate or hot climate <laughs> oh damn um, you get more like in hotter climates, you get more fruitiness in colder climates. You get more of like this minerality, which I prefer. I hate like, and then a lot of the American white wine or Chardonnays are just, just terrible. They're, <laughs> oh God, they're disgusting. I don't know. People, people like, uh, I don't know. I might piss people off, but I just don't care. <laughs> uh, Do I need to start a USA chant right now? <laughs> Oaky buttery Chardonnays are disgusting. I don't care what it is. It's when you have shitty wine and you just throw it in a barrel 
Uh, <laughs> and just, you can't even taste the actual grape. It just tastes like vanilla and butter. It's disgusting. Rich, uh, <laughs> rich white ladies love it. <laughs> hey, you're getting borderline racist now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I worked at a country club. <laughs> I can say that, dude. I worked there for seven and a half years. You're probably the only Latino there. <laughs> what are you kidding me? I, I was everyone that works there is uh, Hispanic. <laughs> I didn't think of that part. So, okay. Uh, all the members were white or Jewish. You're the only Latino there that, that wasn't, you know, like cooking or uh, busting the tables or whatever. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> it's like the GM was white and then every everyone else was Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> this is about as racist as we'll get on the PNR podcast. Like hey, that's just facts. Yeah, exactly. We're not being dickish about it. It's just it was what's going on over there. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it's Southern California. <laughs> like, that's I live in LA, it's like majority is Hispanic. <laughs> the barrio homes. Uh, what else can you tell us about wine before we move on to your next pick oh man Um, that you can condense in about five or ten minutes because like you said you you and I know this for a fact could do an entire series of episodes on wine I could do an episode per region or per grape you know (laughs) Um, I believe it uh, you're the wine fucking encyclopedia uh, let's see. You mentioned oh, wine find... Bible earlier. You're wine Britannica. <laughs> no way. No, I have, oh. ton- I have so many wine books. Uh, <laughs> called Vino. That's pretty dope. Uh, I also have this thing called Le Nez du Vin. Um, it's the nose of wine. And it's like <laughs> this, it's this big kit. And it has like all these little tiny jars of scents. Um, so you can like practice uh, blind tasting. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, what that's else? A, that's amazing to me. Let me. I, I'm. I don't know if I got this right or wrong, but I'm gonna put this out to the audience, and you can you, you can declare the veracity of it. When when you're going to be a sommelier, like you said, you do blind taste, so you got to just rely on your nose and your tongue. These guys can put wine in their mouth, swish it around for a minute, spit it out, and be like. Okay, this grape, this this uh, winery, this year, just like they can mention so much stuff about the wine they just tasted. It's extraordinary. Am, yeah, I, am uh, I right on that? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. yeah. Well, I mean, I did a lot of that when I worked at the wine bar and um, when I was studying for my psalm one. I did a lot of that. That's incredible go, to me. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Um, there is this movie called Psalm. And it follows uh, these guys going for their master sommelier. Um, it's pretty nuts. It's intense. <laughs> haven't seen it. It's it's uh, it's awesome documentary and it's crazy. These guys are like they all take a year off of uh, their jobs to study. They just travel the world and like literally one guy licks a rock from a specific <laughs> place so he can like <laughs> soil and stuff. It's pretty nuts, man. <laughs> Also, another really cool, this is like kind of side sidebar, but awesome, awesome, awesome documentary on Netflix called uh, Sour Grapes. If you have not seen that, it's a must. 
Um, even if you don't care about wine, it's a crazy story about how <laughs> one guy single-handedly crashed the wine market because he was, he had this operation at his house where he was, so there's, a, he was a prodigy. So what you're talking about with like people smelling and tasting and knowing where, like what year it was from or what side of uh, the hill it was on. Yeah. Like they know all that crazy shit about it. Just there was, wig. there was this guy who was like born with that essentially it was <laughs> and he came out of nowhere and so he could just he would take different wines cheap wines and for he would like he would buy a lot i i don't mean a lot i mean like a big giant like warehouse at, he would do this at a time and he would buy these crazy expensive wines like you know uh do you know what a first growth is I am not familiar with that. Oh, in Bordeaux, uh, they're like the most expensive wines in the world. Um, in Bordeaux, you they have a different classification system. And there is um, first growth is the highest level. And there's only five first growths, five wineries that are awarded, have been awarded this top level. Uh, it's like Rothschild, uh, what was it, Margot, Obreon, uh Rothschild, uh, well, Rothschild, but uh, yeah, like that, that does sound familiar to me. Something, because I'm sure that's that family that uh, started with uh, Meyer, and they're like the richest family in the world, or whatever. The Ro the Rothschilds, although yeah, everybody yeah. calls them Rothschild. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, they're like castles. These wineries, they're nuts. They've been around forever. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, there's uh, there's also one white. Want there's a white wine Chateau de Cam. Okay, I'm just talking. No, I'm just going down a wine. Right <laughs> Anyways, this guy, um, he had such like he once he smelled and tasted something, he would go, he would buy these like big giant lots of wine from like these first growths or just the craziest wines like Screaming Eagle and all, all this shit. And then he would drink it, he'd drink a bottle. Um, or he would, and then he would copy, he would, he had this like thing that he made in his house where he would like peel off the, the labels and like recreate them. And then he would buy cheap wine, different ones and blend them together. And he would know what to blend together to make it taste exactly like that wine. <laughs> That's wicked crazy. So he sold, so he would recreate, he, they were like, they were uh like forged bottles basically the so vi vintages that took thousands of dollars that are at least worth thousands he yeah, was exactly. able to recreate like, them yes it'd be like 1950 <laughs> whatever you know okay. um and then he would so he would do this at his house and then he would sell them he would auction it off for oh. thousands and thousands and he this guy made millions of dollars and, See, uh, that's the part of the story I don't like. I like that the guy was able to recreate a rare wine so everybody can enjoy it. But uh, once it leaves the museum, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a fucking scumbag. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, just his character and everything is pretty amusing. Like, everybody loved him. He was, like, the life of the party. And, uh, yeah, his family was, like, in some... Asian mob or something. I don't know. It was, it was pretty <laughs> Go watch it. It's awesome. Those sour grapes. That's an awesome. Well, of course, everybody loved him. He's a millionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, no, but <laughs> like the, 
the footage of him, like you can tell he's just like, it looks like he's like working the room, you know? <laughs> Love that term. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, okay. And, so I almost also, want you to talk the process to wine because I have this paltry oh God, little that's... list of like seven steps or something. I well, feel like you're you could well then again that would be a million hour episode. Yeah, because I could talk <laughs> about Madeira and that how Madeira like came to be is super interesting. Port is super interesting. Oh, the the winery Chateau de Kim, that's the the highest um white wine in uh or white winery that makes white wine in uh Bordeaux. And uh they make sauternes. You know sauternes is it's a dessert wine. Nah, yeah, that's that's uh, I'm uh, like I said, I'm Somalia level 0.5. That's a that's above my level. <laughs> so, so Sauternes is super um interesting because the way they make it is that uh Sauternes only uses three, uh three white grapes. That's all that can be used for it, and uh, it's like Sauv Blanc. Uh, I can't remember right now, but uh, interesting part is the way that it's made is. Botrytis cinerea is this mold. It's a kind of mold that grow. They allow. Oh my food. gosh! It's pretty cool, man. This uh, is like the cheese with the maggots in it. <laughs> no, no, no! Check this out. You're not drinking the mold. So the they oh. allow the mold to grow on the grapes, right? And what the, <laughs> the mold? Does, well, they call it noble rot. That's what they call it over there. But the mold will like poke holes in the grape. So the the water that the water in the grape evaporates out of it and then they'll they when they de-skin it the the mold comes off the you're not drinking the mold it's filtered and all that stuff okay that's good because uh, i thought it would be like another one of those wacky things where it's like hey this is bad for you but it makes the food what it is so no no it, <laughs> so so it pokes the holes so the water evaporates and they basically become like raisins you know oh yeah because they're yeah. dried out at that point so the the fruit itself is super concentrated like incredibly concentrated it makes sense so more uh sugar because you're getting the sugar to water ratio is way higher in these grapes <laughs> uh, for the sugar so that's so, why it's a dessert wine because it's super sweet once they add the yeast it's like it's incredible yeah, but I can't even think of uh... the flavors. Yeah, it's like it's if you haven't had sauternes with like blue cheese, do yourself a favor for real. It's that's like classic pairing. It's amazing. As much as I'm a wine drinker, I I'm so like just incredibly cheap and stupid about it, though. I'm like, hey, a bottle of Andre. Let me get some of that. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm not I'm the total one. <laughs> I'm a total wine side. When it comes to me, everybody else can. If you want to drink Sutter Home, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I've had my uh, fair share. That's cool, me. I've but, had uh, my fair share of uh, Zinfandel from Sutter Home. Thank you very much. <laughs> you have to sell that shit, man. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, I just took another swig. <laughs> what were uh, you drinking again? I, it was a whiskey. I forget the name of it. Fistful of whiskey. Oh. Hey. Don't buy it. <laughs> Fistful of whiskey <laughs> fucking sucks. I have so much stuff that I just try to drink whatever. Um, I have a, a question to ask you about vodka, T. 
too uh, about Belvedere, but we'll get there when we get to your vodka. Okay, um, fair enough. Uh, what uh, else say about wine, because I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. I mean, there's like different methods of making sparkling wine. There's like the Charmant method, the Champagne method. Um, there's Marsonic. Uh, what is it? Can I'll just uh, I'll I'll do my. If you want me to cover the method, I'll do mine. Um, because exactly like you said, though, I can get so out of hand with the methods. I just remembered it. Carbonic maceration. Um, oh, that's when you, you, uh, exchange the carbonic acid with, uh, uh, I forget the other acid involved in that, but that's to, um, to make the, the flavor taste different. Yeah. You're swapping one acid for another acid, basically. Not many places do it, except they use it to make Beaujolais, uh, which is also in France close to burgundy uh this may be a dumb question before you move on to your next type but uh i'm taking it france is the best uh wine country i mean that is uh very debatable i would say but oh really i mean i i said that might be a stupid question because i thought you're gonna be like oh yeah absolutely they're the best uh, place to get your well wine it just from. depends on it depends on what you like best because they're so like everywhere is a lot different man like even like Greece has has their own wines. Um, what's that stupid grape they have? Jeremanov. <laughs> um, I love how you referred to it as a stupid grape. <laughs> it's a stupid grape. It's disgusting. It's like pine trees. Um, but they they do make a, a cool oh, dessert man. wine. I can't think of the name right now. But um, like Germany makes great Riesling. Like amazing, amazing Riesling. Um, so it's kind of debatable, but if you were to ask me for, I would say absolutely France for sure. Uh, okay, Spain has Tempranillo. They have all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Albarino is like one of my all-time favorite white wines. That's from Spain. It's on the coast, but France, Southern France, is my favorite. Uh, GSMs and Syrahs. It's probably my favorite, favorite kind of wine. GSM for those who don't know is a, it's a common blend, and that's like done the best in the world in southern france and it's a uh, grenache syrah mouved those are the three grapes in it so they just call it gsm <laughs> so in depth right now <laughs> uh, oh another cool uh kind of wine is ice wine it's kind of in a similar weird parallel to sauternes except without mold they allow the grapes to freeze <laughs> um i make this uh in germany and uh canada um i've actually had some pretty good ones decent ones from canada but they allow allow it to freeze and the same just like the mold the water expands out like on the outside of the grape like if you look at the grapes there you can see like this it looks like glass around it oh that's it, pretty cool water freeze <laughs> like comes out and freezes on the outside but then they just shatter it and the it, it becomes like a raisinated <laughs> Another dessert wine um all right you gotta stop me man because i'll just keep going this is this is true we're already uh i'm using zoom still ladies and gentlemen i think everybody's trying to fucking squeeze money out of me so what zoom's doing now though is it re lets me record 40 minutes for free and then it stops me so uh yeah we we gotta we gotta move on as far as flow because it's it's actually already giving me another warning that uh, I got uh, about seven minutes left before it's going to shut off on me. 
So I'm actually going to stop it here. And then I'm going to reinvite him to another meeting. And then he's going to continue with his third, second, and first pick. So. Oh, wait, right. the phone. oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, wine is my number one. But anyways. It's, it's incredible that it's like, like, like I said, before I even stop it, this is incredible that you know this much about wine and grapes and the different types of wine. And um, if you actually do a podcast with wine, I will listen to it. Because I'm looking for new podcasts. I would be because... I would be more helpful if I didn't drink. <laughs> but uh, no, that was the whole condition, though. I said, let's get fucked up and let's record an episode while I while can't remember smart, anything so. right now. <laughs> but myself. the thing is, you've remembered so much. <laughs> like I said, you are going in depth on stuff like it's incredible to me. And but this is you being like, man, I don't remember anything right now, but you remember so much. You just don't even realize it. OK, so I'm going to go on to my number two, number no, th- number three. OK, wine was my number one. I, I messed that up. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Go to your number four then. <laughs> uh, my number four, probably beer. Um, I work for a craft beer distributor. I used to brew my own beer. I had like a little beer club at my house. This is like, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. That uh, is awesome. <laughs> it was it was really fun. We used to do every uh, not every Sunday, but like every other Sunday. It was fun. We just drink and brew beer. And no, was, I would I would like to do something like that, honestly. But man, clean up unless you have like I, I have a buddy that brews his own beer and he's got like a sick setup um he has like all kinds of equipment and we did we were like super low budget we made some (laughs) pretty decent stuff uh eventually but the cleanup and the because we used to do in the kitchen and it was a i mean not brew it in the kitchen we used to brew in the backyard but when you like rack it and bottle it and oh it's just be a mess man i i sucks <laughs> i i used to go to boston beer works and they they're not like a micro brew per se but they're smaller than like because they don't like bottle any of their stuff or anything but they make huge batches of it because they're serving like thousands upon thousands of servings of the stuff uh yeah. but ever since i went there i was like oh man i'd love to make my own beers so i could just basically have their awesome beer at my house <laughs> oh yeah that championship uh, red. Oh my gosh, man. Oh, so good. <laughs> there's so many different styles of beer. It's oh, yes. very, very, very versatile. I what do you think is fun. more complex, wine or beer? Definitely wine. I mean, okay. <laughs> beer, beer is you can like experiment and like, oh, I fucked it up. I'll just do it, you know. <laughs> uh, usually, these big breweries, when they're like trying out a new beer, they're doing it on a small scale. Unless it's like, you know, a pretty straightforward IPA and you just want to use different hops. But if you're doing like experimental sours and stuff, they're not just making big batches of that stuff right away. Um, Do you want to yeah. know the most expensive beer I've ever had? I don't remember even the price of it, but I knew it was expensive. What is it? Was it Utopian. The Sam yeah, Sam Adams, 28%. Yes, very incredibly strong beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was like I was drinking brandy for crying out loud. Like it was strong. Um, but yeah, I don't not, even like remember. At all. I don't remember how much it cost, but it was expensive. 
but my brother bought a ton of it so i was able to have some uh, some of his so i got lucky wine is way more complicated because you know you get the ingredients in you i mean some people get crazy with the hops like some from <laughs> specific place or whatever but wine you gotta wait and you have to like farm basically you know you have it's like taking care of crops yeah and if you have a bad crop you have a bad wine exactly it's not so, that's not the case with beer yeah beer is like ah oh, uh, this one sucks we'll do something different <laughs> <laughs> but beer is, i'm not trying to hate on beer it's my number four uh i love beer i i like how versatile it is the the amount of styles anything from like vienna lagers to like a hazy ipa or a crazy fruited sour or you know even like i like craft beer a lot um and if i have to drink beer it usually is some like small brewery or whatever but yes i personally nothing beats a guinness i love guinness i can drink it <laughs> hot sun i don't care um it's like having a like an iced coffee <laughs> i thought you were about to go uh dr seuss with that like i will drink a guinness on a bus i will drink a guinness in a fuss like <laughs> oh, i love guinness even though it's dark and it's like one of the lowest abv beers people are always surprised to find that out um but it's like really low abv it's like four eight or something so you can just pound them i mean it's not good for calories but it won't be absolutely trashed if you like have a four or five you know so if i were able to invite you over to the crib for some black and tans you'd be down with that oh hell yeah all right let me know Actually, next time you're in the worcester area <laughs> so it's gonna sound disgusting but i promise you it's the greatest thing ever oh so no I, work, I don't like where this is going <laughs> <laughs> we, when i worked at the wine bar um we had guinness on tap and that okay. was like, I would always end the night with this drink. So do you know what a snake bite is? I've had a water moccasin. I'm thinking that's not the same thing, though. A snake bite is Guinness and you float cider on top. Yeah, I definitely haven't had that. Thing. Like half and half. So but it, it separates, you know. You know like, uh, I don't think I like that very much. <laughs> oh, dude, snake bites are Awesome, man. What are you crazy? Snake bites are bomb. Anyways, <laughs> um, I might be crazy then just a little bit. <laughs> dude, do you know, but what I, what I used to do uh, at the end of my shifts was I would make myself, I don't think you can really call it a snake bite. I don't know. I didn't really have a name for it, but it was <laughs> a, a snake bite. But instead of regular cider, it was the, a pineapple cider, like the ace pineapple cider. I like pineapples, so I'm willing gross, to try that. No, weird, no. But it's so damn good. I cannot stress how good it is enough. Like I said, I like pineapple enough where I would actually try that. Pineapples, probably like a that's probably on my Rushmore fruit, maybe because I, I love a good berry. Oh, my gosh. I'll eat the shit out of some like strawberries and cherries, but <laughs> I'm, pineapple I'm might squeak in at like number four. That's how much I like pineapple. I uh, I hate cutting pineapple though. Oh yeah, it's the worst. I wish pineapple would eat shit and die when I'm cutting it. I think but, apples uh, are have become underrated. I love apples. I could just uh, 
I love apples. Yeah, not a fan of apples. No. Oranges, not a, not a big fan. Oh, I love citrus fruits too. Pears, I'm, I get down with pears. Uh, see, I don't really get on pears though. <laughs> this is, we're doing an alcohol episode. We're talking about our fucking fruits that way. <laughs> we're wild. Um, <laughs> okay, beers. Um, yeah, back to beers. Uh, yeah, I also no, like... No, no, back to that cocktail, though. So you're talking about like a hard cider. Is that what you use? Yeah, yeah. So hard like you, you get Guinness and then you like pour red apple into it. Yeah, but you float it. So that sounds. That sounds like. Or you know, uh, we used to have like I have this little turtle thing that just goes right on top of the glass. That sounds like when you you French fry instead of pizza, you're gonna have a bad time. No way, man. Did you like that South Park reference? <laughs> no, that's it. Well, actually, <laughs> you're Park gonna have a bad time. <laughs> oh, that one. I about the French fry and pizza. No, they uh that's how the guy uh teaches the kids skiing in the Aspen episode, and he's like, if you eat pizza instead of French fry, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, but that was from like <laughs> one of the earliest YouTube videos. Have you you've never seen that? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little kid going down a uh Oh, and then Ike <laughs> makes fun of it. And he's yeah, like, they pizza, French fry, pizza, French fry. Well, it's a little kid going down a hill and he's going super fast. He's little, like he's maybe like seven years old at six. Oh, and then he, he crashes, right? And he's going super fast, and the dad is just screaming, Pizza! Pizza! Because <laughs> <laughs> he to slow down. He's just screaming at the top of his lungs. It's so funny. <laughs> Pizza. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look this up now. After, yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> um, yeah, in, in the summertime, a beer. I mean, the only thing about beers is it's got a lot of calories in it. Like, I try not to drink too many when I do have one because you feel all bloated. Oh, um, I drink the shit out of it. Once I have one, I have like 12 more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love stouts. Um, I like really all styles. I just don't, you know, they're disgusting to me. It tastes like piss. I'm this. I feel the same. Not so much even Budweiser, but light beers in general. Yeah, Bud Light, Coors Light. Gross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Coors Banquet still holds up. It's great. Well, yeah, that's better than the light beer. That's the Coors thing. original like, is good. I think I like it. Like Coors Banquet is is better than Coors Light and like Budweiser even though that's not great it's better than Bud Light because it's what they say about these light beers is very true it is really watery yeah and that's all light beers that's not just those like I've tried like Sam's Light and uh what's another light beer I've had well I'm not going to consider Keystone Light but (laughs) that was for that's for Beirut um (laughs) Oh no, Natty Ice. Oh, God. You know, do you feel like, and I think this is true, I feel like, and I pretty much know, I think we're the only region of the country that calls beer pong Beirut, and I don't know why, though. Uh, Yeah, I learned that pretty quick when I moved to California. <laughs> You're like, hey, let's play some Beirut. And what are we talking about Lebanon for, man? Yeah, what the hell are you Because <laughs> <laughs> I moved to other parts of the country with the army. And I'd be talking about Beirut and motherfuckers are thinking I'm talking about Lebanon. And then like, <laughs> I'm like, no, that's what we call them, beer pong. 
<laughs> it's like the I told you the story last time, didn't I? About uh, when I moved out here and somebody asked me if I want to go to BJ's to eat. Oh, because he, uh, BJ's is like a steakhouse uh, west of the Mississippi. Well, BJ's is like because uh, uh, they had one in Kansas City. That's how I know this. Like, uh, but you were thought they were talking about the wholesale club. Yeah, I'm like, what the? Heck? You want to go eat free samples? I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Can I buy a 96 pack of water while I'm there? Is that what you want to go there for? <laughs> Why would you want to go there? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, to, the, to the Panda Boys and Panda Girls that don't know, Lou is referring to what in other parts of the country is Sam's Club. They, you have Sam's Club, you know, out in other parts. We have this place called BJ's, but it's the same thing. They sell like bulk items, like crazy like amounts of... Yeah, exactly. Costco, too. That's another one that does it. Oh, that reminds me of my favorite uh, bit on uh, Impractical Jokers. Don't don't call me clown mustache. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch that. The one of the new episodes like the Eric Andre. With Eric Andre and then the, the girl. Oh, I can't. I don't I don't want to spoil it. Nah, this is the PNR podcast. I'm totally gonna fucking spoil it. Uh, they hire a third girl to be like the third victim for Sal. And she starts crying and he totally like fell for it. He thought like he really made her cry and it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I can't wait to see the new season. Oh, but uh, back to beer before you move on to your, your next one. Because uh, you gave me a time limit. So I'm going to try to at least fit you in within that time limit. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, which three I've, hours is very generous, by the way. I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm just saying, though, we go. We do have time constraints, so. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the thing about beer, like the uh, similarity to wine is when you are making wine, you, I mean, uh, not wine, spirits. When you're making whiskey, you're, you basically make beer first, and then it gets turned hmm. into whiskey. I is it because beer is also a mash? So they so they basically make it's called wort, W O R T. <laughs> is, uh, is um what they call it's basically like beer tea. It's all the the grain or whatever you're using and it becomes wort. Like the they put yeast and the sugars from whatever ingredients they're putting in there start eating and then if when you're distilling, you basically distill that like beer, like substance and the alcohol is distilled into whatever spirit you're making. Now is, is beer distilled? No, that's the, that's what I'm saying. Beer is you'd not, you're not distilling the wart, you know? Yeah. Cause I was saying, I didn't think you boiled beer off. So uh, when I thought you were insinuating that you did, I was like, that's you boil beer. it. Yeah. Of course you do. Beer? Yeah. But when you boil it, you're distilling it. No? No, 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 no. No, it's evaporating. It's not getting distilled. Distilled, you need a a, a still. <laughs> well, no, correct the me vapors. if I'm wrong, though. I thought I'm going to because I picked three spirits where you distill it. When you distill it, you boil um, the mixture and then mm -hmm. it goes into a tube and the evaporation yep. collects in the tube. Yes, and that's then, a that's a still. So if, if yes. the still didn't exist, right? 
and the it was boiling, it would evaporate into the air, not into a still. Okay, so beer is not distilled, but yet you're boiling and collecting the evaporation of it. You know, like you know, like when you're like cooking and they say you use wine or something and it, you burn off the alcohol. Yes, it's a the alcohol is evaporating into the air, so a still catches the alcohol in the air and just takes out the alcohol. Yes, yes. Is yes. that where? But okay, so how is the process for beer? You said it's, you're boiling the beer, right? Yeah. If you're not distilling it, though. What what happens in the process? You carbonate then? it. So okay, so it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It stays within the vat that they're making it in, essentially. Because in it is in distilling, it's going somewhere. Correct. It's it's going into like you're putting it in a tube, and eventually all that evaporation is collecting the tube and go into another thing where you're collecting that. That doesn't happen with beer, I assume, right? And so you add the yeast to the beer. Like if you're doing home brewing or something, I mean, if you're doing it at a large scale, it's different. But if you're like home brewing, you're putting the yeast in the bottle with the with the wort, the cooled down wort. And it eats the sugars and creates ethanol. Yes. And then it becomes carbonated in the bottle. Now, they okay. do like other places. There's like, you know, they have vats. It's like, yeah, that's know, what I'm trying to think of, because I've, I've been to different breweries. And they have a vat that holds like 50,000 gallons of liquid or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember it distilling, though, because in the vat, it doesn't have a tube at the top that collects condensate. So yeah. I wasn't even sure like how the process goes, though. It didn't seem like they were boiling it, though. The whole brewery felt like it was cold throughout. And I went to the Coors Brewery because I was in Colorado, actually. And this is something uh, interesting that they mentioned. We walked past this room in a hallway. They said if you opened the doors to whatever was on the side of us, clouds would actually come into the room. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know what part of the process that is or why that is, but they mentioned that. I was like, that's fucking gnarly. If if you open that like hatch right now and a fucking cloud would just come into the room, basically. Yeah, it's like those are all insulated. Like those are... Those cost thousands of dollars. Oh, no, millions, millions. It had to cost millions for the setup. Yeah. Because you got all the stainless steel and just fucking computers and all kinds of crazy shit was in the Coors Brewery. And I've been to the Coors one and I've been to Budweiser. Like, I, I've been to some smaller ones, too, but those were The Miller really one is tiny. like 10 minutes for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I would have thought, uh, you know, that's more like uh, a Midwest one. Well, you definitely have a Budweiser one out somewhere. It is, they're, they're so big that, you know, they have multiple like headquarters. Yeah, they'd have because that's the same thing that uh, Budweiser does. Like the, the Budweiser brewer I went to is the one in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Yeah. So they, they do have multiple ones, but I just I wouldn't even figured. Because like cores, for example, they have multiple ones too, but like none were on the coasts or whatever. It's it's like they have a couple and they just distribute from the the couple that they have. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, there's I mean, Southern California has the most breweries per capita in it the uh no San Diego is the second largest uh for breweries per capita in the world. <laughs> I w in the world. Yeah, number one is uh, in Germany. Oh, yeah, of course. That's what I would have figured. <laughs> all, all I know about San Diego is jacking it in San Diego. <laughs>
<laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty much it for beer. And then my number three, I gotta go scotch. I love scotch, scotchy scotch, scotch. Um, what makes you like it more than um, other whiskeys? Well, bourbon's my number two. So, um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You told me that. <laughs> scotch, um, I don't know, man. Scotch and a cigar, nothing beats that. It's like, I feel like it's a, a writer's drink too. It's a, it is an acquired taste. So it kind of feels um, like when you find another scotch drink, you're like, oh, cool. Have you had this? Yeah, I love it. I think McAllen is incredibly overrated. <laughs> um, shots fired. <laughs> I used to sell it and I just, the price has gone up so much that I just don't think it's worth the money anymore. Um, how much is that going for a bottle? Uh, right now, I think it's like close to ninety bucks or something, or like McCallum twelve. It's just so that's too much money for that. Um, for a scotch that hasn't aged that much, I agree. Yeah, and there's just so many better scotches that you can get for cheaper. If you like peated scotch, I love Ardbeg. Ardbeg, Ardbeg makes some dope stuff. Um, what's the? Uh, there's one. Uh, something to do with the Viking. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> um, that one's really good. Uh, do you drink scotch at all? Uh, I used to actually be huge on whiskey, and I'm going to talk about that when I do my side of things, but uh, not so much anymore. Sadly, perhaps, or perhaps for the, the better. <laughs> I uh, drink... Um, See, but even when I fuck with whiskey, though, it's not uh, Crown Royal is my favorite whiskey. I'll throw that out there right away. If I go to a bar, I ask for a Toronto. I don't ask for a Manhattan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like Crown is really the only whiskey I even really fuck with. Canadian. But I'll, I'll drink some of that Southern stuff like uh, not Jack Daniels. I think that's super overrated, but I'll I'll definitely drink like Jim Beam or like Wild Turkey. Oh, my God. How dare you? You hate on Jack Daniels, and then you said Jim Beam. Jim Beam's disgusting. <laughs> well, they they're all not that great, uh, but that's why, oh, like I said, no, I, I hate Crown Royal. My buddy, uh, I don't. I like it better than Jack Daniels. I think Jack Daniels is overrated. Oh, they're both pretty bad. Oh, what what am I even think? I drink Maker's Mark too, though. You uh, can't Maker's say don't hate on Maker's Mark. You're gonna, gonna hurt gonna my feelings. Just, no, I'm, I don't hate on Maker's, but it's just not for me. I like Maker's Mark and Knob Creek. Uh, Knob, Knob Creek. Knob Creek. Um, I drink um, more Maker's Mark than Knob Creek, though. But yeah, I really never fucked with Jack Daniels. I just thought that was the worst of like American whiskeys, basically. Wild Turkey's pretty harsh, too. Oh, God. I hate Wild Turkey. It's like naming all the things that make me puke. <laughs> okay uh old pizza and uh dirty socks <laughs> we'll just throw that on the list as well <laughs> um but i think my favorite scotch um i've had some pretty i've been very fortunate to have some really really crazy um alcohols like <laughs> i've had i've had louis probably three or four times you're talking about remy martin yeah, it's like five. Grand. Oh my, yeah, wow. Yeah, Why I had it. You? Well, I had it. Um, I had it the first time when I worked at the club. I was running the wine program, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to bring this in?" And uh, so they like gave us the whole presentation and all that stuff. 
And uh, then my next job, I ended up working for Young's and we sold Remy Martin. So every year that I worked there, they would do a refresher every year. We get to, we get to taste it. That's incredible. I wouldn't suck money, somebody's man. dick for Remy, but uh, yeah, I would. Uh, wow. It's not worth the money. I'll tell you that. It is. What? I will say this. I will say this. It is unbelievable. It is incredibly good. It's yeah. something that you you don't save up to buy this bottle. You buy that bottle if you if you have like the beans to do that. Celebrity money. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. That's why you know. Well, I don't know all these like famous people. Oh, I buy Cristal or whatever. Buy fucking Remy Martin. But uh, it's so it's not as good as it's suggested though. That's crazy to even think. No, I'm saying if. Because you said it's incredible, but then you said it's not worth the money. It's it's five grand a bottle, man. I'm not paying. I don't give a shit what it tastes like. I'm not paying five thousand well, dollars a bottle for well, anything. Well, neither so am I, because I'm not, I'd have to take out a loan to buy it. I don't think I paid five thousand dollars for uh, a bottle of my grandma's ashes. Like what the hell? <laughs> well, the the way funeral costs go, you might have to. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you you only it's something like like I said, I wouldn't be saving up your money to to buy it. That's all I'll say. But it is it is mind blowingly amazing. Yeah, that's sure. what, that's from what I understand. But like I said, I you know I would not for five thousand dollars a bottle. <laughs> I would I would uh throw myself into a cactus patch for a taste of it. <laughs> there you go. Uh what's another terrible thing I would do? I would let no, I wouldn't let I, that be painful. Well, the cactus thing would be too, but um, I'd let somebody insult me for five minutes straight for. A... <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would do a lot of things. I just wouldn't. It wouldn't be anything sexual. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I have some pretty, really, like really crazy stuff in my house, um, that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I have a couple. Bo- I have a couple boss hogs. Um, I have a whistle pig 18. The the uh the boss hogs like 600 bucks a bottle. Um why did the distributor just give you all this stuff? Not that oh, I'm mad I that bought, they did, but no, those these those I bought. I had to buy those for oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> and I got them when I was working, like while I was selling it. So, so you I got just, a discount on it. I would just pay the cost. Like I would, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it did not cost me six hundred dollars. But uh, Glendalock twenty five. If you like Irish whiskey, uh, or if you don't, actually, preferably if you don't like Irish whiskey, um, (laughs) Glendalock makes Irish whiskey, and it is unbelievable. When you think Irish whiskey, you think of like Jameson. Jameson, yeah. Or uh, what's the other one? Glen Glen Fittish. No, Glen Fittish Scotch. Oh, that is scotch. Oh, okay. I thought that was a Irish whiskey. But Glendalock is like very high end uh, Irish whiskey, and it is unbelievable. I have a (laughs) five year, but their seventeen is killer. Yeah, Glendalock is incredible. They make they make gin too, and their gin is crazy, crazy good. They have a rose gin that is that will rock your world. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about gin. Cause I got a fucking wild story for that one. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So the wrap up scotch, I guess there's highlands is lowlands. 
One area is uh, more known for peated scotch. Uh, peat is P-E-A-T is a moss. Yes, yes. Um, that they, I'm glad you covered that because I had mentioned that you filter. They, uh, you're like, oh, if you like uh, scotch with peat, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they use that as a filter. Uh, actually, uh, peat is usually used because um, it's so abundant. Uh, it's everywhere. It's like you <laughs> and everything. Um, they just grab it and they uh, they would like start fires uh, with it. Yes, then, yes, it's a fuel. I found that out too. They would they <laughs> would um, put the um, uh, the grains that they they're using for the scotch over it to dry it. Oh, I thought they use it as a filter in the process. Oh, so that's why it's smoky. Because <laughs> they actually tape. grow it in the pea. That's interesting. Because it's just engulfed in smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the peated flavor is. I mean, the the actual moss does give it flavor, but it's like smoke is what you is really where you, you taste. You know, that's like the main characteristic of it is smoke. And yeah, I like them both. Uh, I know some people that love uh, scotch, but hate peated scotch like they will just never discuss them. I happen to like both. It's another like right tool for the job kind of thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, because if you're uh, if you can sell only one scotch and not the other, that's a hindrance. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think my favorite. Trying to make sure I'm not missing any. I think my favorite scotch I've ever had uh, is by Glen Morangi. I'm actually not a huge Glen Morangi fan, but um, they have one called Signet S I G N E T. Signet comes in like a black box. It's unbelievable. I think that's probably my, I think that's my favorite. See, these uh, are a lot of, I'm not familiar. Uh, like I used to be a big whiskey drinker, but I'm not even familiar with a lot of these, but it's because scotch is like anything else that we're talking about. Alcohol wise, it can get very complex and there's a lot of brands out there. Cause a, a lot of people want to put their, their recipe out there. I am a giant fan of Balvini. Uh, Balvini makes killer scotch. Um, at that sounds very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at like reasonable prices, I want to say my like absolute go-to um, from is their Caribbean cask, fourteen year. Um, I think it's around a hundred bucks a bottle. It's totally worth it. It's killer. It's a great, great, great scotch. We should have um, done this during tax season because then all your suggestions. <laughs> I would have ran out and well, not all of them, but I would have been like, what's the one that he he liked the best? But it's like I can't buy any of this stuff now because I'm fucking broke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So, yeah, I guess we'll move to bourbon. Yep. Uh, Move to bourbon real quick because the the fucking timer on Zoom is uh, it's barking at me again. Yeah, we'll go. So we'll we'll cover your bourbons and then we'll move on to mine. Bourbon's got to be at least uh, 51 percent corn in the mash bill. Um, that's what makes it a little sweeter. They use a uh, new charred oak. Um, so you get like that sp- spice to it. Now, even uh, let's do this real quick before you go. Um, even though uh, Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey, the way they make it makes it a bourbon, though, right? It's just not made yeah. in Kentucky. Correct. OK, I just want to get some clarification on that. Yeah. Jack Daniels. Eh, I mean, I used to sell it. <laughs> And I sold a lot of it, but <laughs> uh, they have one that's like a apple one. 
Oh, yeah. So that's a very popular thing. Honey and apple and all sorts of flavorings. Oh, I hate the, the honey one is disgusting. I don't like any. Of, <laughs> I don't like the fire. It tastes like fireball. I hate. Yeah, sin. I hate fire. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one big time. I hate the fire stuff. But the apple one is pretty damn good. I got to mm-hmm. say crown uh, makes a good apple whiskey, too. Oh, yeah. Crown. Crown's not bad. That's Canadian whiskey, though. Yes, it's my favorite. <laughs> It's just smooth. I mean, crown's smooth, man. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, bourbon. I don't know. It's like a night out with the boys. <laughs> uh, it's a burning your chest, or like, especially <laughs> if you live in somewhere cold. That's right. A glass of bourbon on a cold night is like, oh, it's, it's great. Going to the bars on Union Street, getting some bourbon. That's what's up. Yeah. I still remember that time we ran into each other at the garden. We're like, because <laughs> we didn't expect to see each other that was cool that was a cool moment <laughs> um eagle rare uh eagle rare is pretty good jack daniels some of their higher end stuff the sinatra one's a little too charred for me but the gold 27 is pretty damn good if you, if you age a why well, i haven't i haven't personally had that but i was gonna i was just about to say if you age something uh long enough it's gonna be a good whiskey even if it's a, a garbage brand, like like I said, I don't really care for Jack. If you age some, if you age Jack for long enough in, a, in an oak barrel, or whatever, it's it's going to be pretty damn smooth, at a minimum. It, even if the, the 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 taste isn't complex or great or whatever, at least it will go down super smooth. So yeah, twenty seven years that's a long time to age anything. So yeah. And then you have- <laughs> You have like your Buffalo Trace and um, oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, that they, they make uh, good like stuff. Woodford, Woodford. I like Woodford. Oh, Woodford Reserve, right? Yeah, that's a yeah. same. Uh, it's Jack Daniels family too. That's like their higher end. Version. Yeah, I was about to say that's actually <laughs> that's good shit though. <laughs> uh, Jack Single Barrel is pretty damn good too. What is it? Uh, Jack Daniels Single Barrel. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know if I've had that. I probably have though, because I. I've like I said, I've had all the different jacks or whatever, because that's that's a, that's a very it's a party whiskey, I guess, is the best way to put. Somebody will definitely buy a bottle of that and just like kind of leave it out at a party and uh, p- people will uh, get shots of that or whatever. So yeah. I've, I've had all the different Jack Daniels that way, really, because I don't really walk into a bar and ask for that or I don't go into my favorite uh, wine and spirits, my my favorite packy and be like, oh, can I get a bottle of Jack Daniels, please? Like uh, I'm I'm getting other stuff when I go there. So <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, even though the price has skyrocketed and I <laughs> think it's insane what it's become. Um, Blanton's is the king of bourbon. Yeah. Nothing beats Blanton's period. End of story. I think best bang for your buck, like value for what you're getting, for what you're paying is they're the same family. I don't know what the, I just know it's the same maker. Noah's Noah's mill and Rowan's Creek. If you have not had I, those, they are incredible and they're very, very reasonably priced. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of those. Um, sure, but they, it kind of looks like a wine bottle. <laughs> uh, um, how much is Bland's going for, uh, for a seven fifty? Unbelievable amounts. I mean, I've seen it for like $200. It used to be like, oh man, blood. yeah, it's insane. It's super. That's, that's too I much for sell, my blood. <laughs> it's just because they don't make a lot of it. Um, 
Well, that's that's the mark of a good whiskey maker, though. Yeah, well, yeah, you could have. It's like what happened to Patron. You know, they went the opposite way. <laughs> I hate tequila. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I tequila, man. I, I like mezcal more, um, but <laughs> uh, tequila, I like I like good tequila. Uh, I had some cheap tequila last time I was the shadow box and uh, I almost puked my guts out in the bathroom. So uh, <laughs> never again. I'm not going to fuck with tequila anymore. <laughs> La Familia from Jose Cuervo. The Reserva de la Familia. That is incredible. Because I'm I sure mean, that's a small batch. You know what's funny, though, um, about tequila is I hate tequila, right? But I love Oculto. Are you familiar oh. with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it to the audience since you, you already know, too, though. Well, it's they make a regular beer, but then they, they put it in agave staves. So it sucks like the, the flavor. Because that's mainly what tequila is. It's a, just an agave uh, alcohol. It sucks the flavor of that out, though, when they, they, they put it in the stave as storage. So that's why it has such an interesting uh, flavor when you drink the beer. Yeah, It's, it's made by uh, Abita, which is a, a brewery out in Louisiana. So I don't, unfortunately, get their beers up here anymore. I miss Prickly Pear. Yeah, they make some More than stuff. anything, though. That was... Uh, uh, what brewery even made that? It's a Texas brewery. Uh, it fucking escapes me right now. But not flying dog. Um, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, I can't either. Something like that, though. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the smaller breweries, but it's big enough where you can get it anywhere in the Southwest, basically. But OK, so I got uh, a minute 21 on my timer. So I, I he actually put out what he thinks is the most economical and what he thinks is the best. So. Um, we're going to take a five minute break because it's time for me to bust out the Kiyomi and uh, I'm going to bleed the lizard pretty hard because I've uh, between alcohol and just a lot of staying hydrated during the day. I, I really got to do that. So uh, we'll be back in two and two. OK, so we are back. I broke out the Kiyomi. I had two shots of that. It has a pepper note on the finish. And yeah, I'm definitely feeling that pepper note right now. So <laughs> it also, it talks about pineapple. I don't think it has pineapple, but uh, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't have the, the nose for that, I guess, or the, the taste buds. So, so my number four is actually wine. I, I kind of this is kind of the, the guidelines I gave myself for everything. I did uh, the common ingredients, because once you get to a certain point, it doesn't become common anymore. It becomes very varied. <laughs> um, and then I talked about the process, the typical ABV, which is the alcohol by volume. And then um, I talked about just a couple prominent brands. I really didn't mention what my favorite ones are. I thought I'd save that maybe for different episodes because, uh, you know, I love doing Rushmore's. But I did mention, a, I did put, you know, pick out a few brands here and there. Um, I also did price range and then just maybe, you know, some thoughts on uh, the, the particular wine or spirit itself. I only did wine and spirits, much like Cardozas, even though that's kind of a misnomer because Cardozas carries more than wine and spirits. <laughs> Shout out to Cardozas, even though uh, they didn't want to sell me alcohol once because the guy that was helping me carry it was younger than 21. Barry's is much. <laughs> Shout out to Barry's. Uh, you, I'm going to give out another shout out to Moriarty's because I actually know the owner. 
that's a that's a package store in Fairhaven. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of good that we plugged our favorite package stores. <laughs> What's your favorite one in California? You can give them a shout out to real quick. Um, Sunny Hills Exotics. Check that place out. Place is dope. But if you want like the I think the best selections for spirits, uh, a Cypress Craft in uh, Cyprus and um, in Placentia, Mr. K's is uh, awesome, too. <laughs> Gotta like one that has a name like Mr. K's. <laughs> so uh, we'll go on to wine now. So the common ingredients are grapes. I mean, every no matter what you know about alcohol, I think you knew at least that much. <laughs> so common ingredients for that is grapes. The, the other ones might surprise you a little bit. Like, oh, maybe I, you know, I didn't really know how that was made. But yeah, grapes for wine. And um, so here's the process, though. And this is not in depth whatsoever. Like like Lou will, will hear this and be like, that's the most elementary explanation of how wine is made. And yes, it is. <laughs> but <Sorry>. um, <laughs> So you harvest grapes, basically, when, you know, they're ready to be pulled or whatever. And then you press the grapes for the juice after. And uh, what's done with the skins determines the color, which I had, I had mentioned earlier. You, like, you, you know, you leave it in, you take it out right away, et cetera, et cetera, basically. Uh, the next step is fermentation. So you add yeast and then you, you wait uh, one to two weeks. You don't want to pull in any earlier than that. And you, you don't want to an add antifreeze, despite what the Simpsons suggests. Um, <laughs> and then you, you cold store it to remove wine crystals because, uh, crystals, uh, the way that wines made crystals build up and that's bad for the wine though. You want to remove those crystals. Although I'm sure Lou probably knows a variety where like, Hey, they bank on those crystals, man. Like those crystals are super important to the process. <laughs> Wait, what, what crystals? Wine crystals. Oh, like in the bottle we're talking about. Yes. Yes. There's probably at least one variety of wine where it's like they don't remove the crystals and it's because whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cold pressing. Um, yes, yes. They that yeah, I had mentioned that they cold store it uh, after they ferment ferment it. Yeah. So if you don't if you don't do that, um, you move it right to a barrel, right? Well, if you don't do that, what can happen is you get uh, they call them wine diamonds. That's like the yes, yes. You can get that in the bottle if, if you have like white wine that's stored cold for too long. Um, and it will affect the flavor very slightly if you drank it or ate it or whatever. Uh, it's not going to hurt you. Nothing will happen to you. <laughs> this is true. It's not like botulism. Like you won't you won't you won't even feel the effects of it. Probably. <laughs> I, yeah, no. I didn't read anything that said that you would. So for reds, this is only for reds. Uh, it, it, well, I might be wrong, but this is it, when I what I read said this is specifically for red. So mallow lactic conversion takes place after um, the two, the one to two weeks. And um, he had touched on that earlier. It changes the acids, which makes the wine softer. So it's it's uh, it's slipping one uh, acid for uh, another acid, basically. What did you call it? It's malolactic conversion conversion. I never heard that. I call it oh. lactic fermentation. That's what the article said. It's conversion. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're more right than you. I'm just, that's what they put out there. <laughs> well, I mean, fermentation is you're converting it. I mean, it's, yeah, I've just never heard it called. <laughs> um, 
step four in the process is you're going to store it. Uh, after all that takes place, you store it one of three ways. Either store it in oak casks, which are barrels, you, uh, stainless steel vessels, or something that's called a glass carboy, which is um, just, again, a, a big glass thing that, that holds uh, the liquid, basically. Yeah, you can use it. I used to use it home brewing carboys. Oh, see, he knows. Here, yeah. <laughs> and then you set it aside for a few months. That's the very minimum to a couple decades before it reaches the consumer. So um, not any more than that, though, because like like anything else, if you don't store it properly or you, you have it wait too long, it becomes bad after. That's that's with anything. The more you expose it to air, if you don't store it at the right temperature, there's so many factors to especially to wine, wine more than anything, really. Although uh, I had some Sam Adams once that sat on a radiator and that was um, <laughs> that was a one beer night for me because that was the worst beer i've ever had in my entire life and i love i love sam adams boston lager but my friend didn't store it properly and me and my other buddy were drinking and looking at each other like hey this is fucked up man what's wrong with this so we asked him he's like oh yeah uh i had it sitting on a radiator sorry <laughs> it's like you're, you're such a fucking idiot <laughs> well that's why you have corks with wine right it's uh it's exa exactly because it helps with the storage of it so well, so it's it's very, very, very slowly getting exposed to oxygen. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so that's what ages the wine. And then uh, you oh, have, continue, uh, continue. You'll see some wines like, um, you know, like white wines or now really any wines. But there's there's a guy, his last name was Stelvin, and he created the Stelvin enclosure, which is just it's just a screw cap. That's all it is. But <laughs> that's the that's the actual name of it is a Stelvin enclosure. And that's for some people, the, they want the wine to taste like it is right then and there. So they, they don't see a need for a cork. So when you see a, a Stelvin enclosure, um, it doesn't mean that it's cheap all, all the time. Uh, this is <laughs> the guy that created it is from Australia. So you, you'll see, you see it a lot in Australian wines. Now, um, what I was going to ask you is, what's the oldest vintage you can have before the wine actually is bad? Well, it just depends on what the wine is. Every grape is different. The way it's made is different. Um, oh, man, I didn't know that figured in. I thought it was just like, OK, it's uh, 75 years. If you drink it on the 76th year, it's lousy. <laughs> no, you can never tell. I mean, that's the cool part about being uh, like me and my buddy are members of a couple of the same wine clubs and uh so we'll get like multiple bottles of like one specific wine you know we'll get like a shipment that'll have a few different wines but some of those wines will have multiple bottles and it's cool because we'll we'll get to like we'll try it in two years and then we'll try the same wine in five years and you can always tell like oh this is it's not going to get better than this like we better drink the rest <laughs> But like now is the time to drink it if you're going to drink it, you know, <laughs> nice. or you'll drink it and be like, ah, it needs a, a couple more years. See, that's that's a benefit of you doing what you do, though, because I wouldn't know. But I have a I have a Corvin, too, which makes it a lot easier. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. Is it like a guide that it's like, OK, it was made with these grapes. So it's like drink uh it by this date, basically. No, a, cor a Corvin is um, 
it clamps on top of a, of a wine bottle and it has. A oh, OK. I know exactly what you're talking about then, because I bought one of those uh, not too long ago. It's like a hundred fifty bucks or something, two hundred bucks. Oh, mine wasn't that expensive. Is it? Is it like the thing that? Um, you're thinking of an you aerator. Yeah, that's probably what it is then, because it clamps uh, on the bottle and then. Um, no, Corvin, it clamps on and it has a surgical needle, um, and then you screw you screw the surgical needle down into it, and it has a little spout that comes out, and uh, it has uh, these argon gas capsules. Holy uh, shit! This is but, sophisticated. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, it's awesome, man. I, I needed it because when I was, uh, I would taste people like on expensive bottles, and you don't want to open the bottle just to taste some one person on, and then you know, because it can't stay open that long without going bad. That's completely the opposite of what I have. So, uh, <laughs> wait, what are you talking about? I think it's an aerator because it just clamps onto the thing and then it's like a spout after. Oh, yeah. That's just an aerator. Yeah. But yeah, the, so this will, the surgical needle goes through the cork. Um, I mean, it's like a medical grade surgical needle. It's, <laughs> and uh, so you press this, you press this button and the argon gas pushes the wine down. It replaces the wine with argon gas. Um, oh, man. So the you can you can pour like a little taste uh, for yourself without opening the bottle. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You know what else they use argon gas for, right? Before I move on, what they store the Declaration of Independence and uh, one of the original copies of the Constitution in argon gas. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know why they do, but if they didn't do it, it'd probably be just a heap of fucking shreds of paper right now. So, so if you ever go to like a like a super 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 fancy like a Michelin star restaurant or whatever, and they'll sometimes you'll see like very rarely, but you'll see like a one glass of wine for like two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever. They're using a Coravin for sure. Because they're not going to open that bottle for one fucking glass. <laughs> <laughs> no, anything like cheaper than twenty five bucks, they'll do that. But once, yeah, once you start getting into that uh, extravagance, I guess, yeah, exactly. They don't want to open a bottle and they'll go, oh, we sold one glass of it. Because then they just so fucking rip like themselves a, off. Even if it's like a sixty dollar bottle or something, you it'll it'll keep for a couple days, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't even think they, they might not even do it for that cheap, though. But then again, the I, I'm sure that the, you know, refilling that with argon isn't exactly the easiest or cheapest thing to do. So there's probably a price point where it's like, OK, we reserve this for, you know, this wine, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I used to taste people all day with with all kinds of stuff and I needed the bottles. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to see this person that I need to use this bottle for. Uh, to like another week so i'm gonna mm -hmm. use the corbin so i can keep the wine and it's cool if you just like you know if you're single or you know it doesn't matter if you're single but if you have like a really nice bottle and you just want to taste it it's a it's a really good tool to see where the wine is at too like i was just saying like you'll open a bottle and say ah oh, it needs a couple more years <laughs> it's cool I, to, to use the corbin just to have a sip and then be like okay this is where it's at I'd say it's more important if you're married because then you're gonna share your wine with the the misses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the typical ABV 
Uh, the unfortified mean is 11.6% and the fortified mean is 16%. So if there's anything that you gather, gathered from that, a fortified wine is uh, more alcoholic. <laughs> Prominent brands. Like I said, this is just a few. There's a million. And I bet Lou knows a bunch of better brands because he already probably named better brands than these. But uh, I kind of looked at some reviews on these, and that's why I, I chose them, is uh, Mum Napa and uh, Apothic and Relax, which is a German brand, and Chateau uh, Sue Michel, which is a French brand. And I'm actually very familiar with that one because, uh, you know, when I'm being uh, the connoisseur that I am at Olive Garden, I have, I've, I've known to get that brand of wine. So. I was going to say, I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> oh, why are you hating on me, man? Apothic, come on, man. No, they got good uh, reviews. They got uh, 4.9s on yeah, the, the reviews. Yeah, they're all soccer moms re- reviewing those ones. Well, okay, they're not Somaliers, <laughs> but <laughs> there's still, there's got to be something good to them. There's got to yeah, be something cheap. good to them. And they get you drunk. Well, and then uh, mission accomplished, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay so price range is next some bottles go for less than 10 and uh those are they're not gut rot but they're pretty damn close and then vintages command several thousand dollars i saw one bottle this i'm sure this is a record but it was well over a million at auction and yeah. uh i think it was a like uh when was it bottled i think 1960 or something like that and then um, a very good wine can be had at around 25, which is actually better than a lot of uh, types of alcohol, because if you spend 25, you're kind of getting like a mid-grade brand of the alcohol. So nothing gut rot, but nothing great. So that's wine is probably the fairest of, of them all, because 25, you can get a, a very good bottle. Or spend eight bucks and get a jug of Carl Rossi. <laughs> That is actually, that's good for cooking wine. It's also great for getting a headache. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, is there a story attached to that? <laughs> well, I mean, I could, education, uh, educationally, I can clarify. Uh, a lot of times when you have, when you have shitty wine, um, it's because the grapes haven't ripened fully. And, you know, it's usually like gigantic plots of land. So to they don't because the ripes don't fully the grapes don't fully ripen. The sugar content is low. So the alcohol, it, the alcohol isn't what um, what it should be for wine. So in a process called chaptalization, uh, it's just a fucking fancy term for saying they add <laughs> it literally just add sugar to the wine. Um, for the yeast to eat. So that's why it gives you a headache because it's full of sugar. All <laughs> wines, Sutter Home, Barefoot, even like Menage a Trois and uh, all those wines. Ooh, that's a sexy label if you're asking me. <laughs> I used to sell it. It's not. It's cheap shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it in any grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap garbage. <laughs> I oh well, yeah, but like I said, uh, I at least think it's sexy. Maybe that's the will get you drunk though. That's the key on me talking. Maybe I don't know. 
<laughs> what I was gonna say is, um, I've been a I've been around uh, wine because I, you know, I'm Portuguese. So growing up in a Luso American household, you're just even though you know my parents aren't letting me drink as like an underage kid, but uh, I just became very familiar with like the the just the sense and the the scenery of wine because we always had wine growing up, and um, you know, maybe that's different for other households or whatever. But that's just how we kind of do it there. If uh, if you have you know Portuguese parents, that that's what you'll encounter growing up is there's all there's always a lot of wine available because my mm. parents weren't alcoholics by any stretch. But you know Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays the wine was brought out and you know you saw a lot of it growing up. And sometimes it was the cheap wine like the Carlo Rossi. But like I said, we really only use that for cooking. But there was always other good wines in my house growing up. So. That's just kind of something I, I remember growing up is, uh, you know, how the wine flowed, basically. So my number three on the route, Mount Rushmore, rum. And the common ingredients for rum are sugarcane or molasses. And, you know, like anything else I'm going to mention on my list, it can get more complex than that. But that's basically what you'll find in a rum is one of those two. Yeah, rum. Uh, oh, I've, I've had so many rums and. I've had some really, really good ones, but I was surprised they picked rum. I'll get into that. <laughs> I mean, rum and uh, coke, that's fine. That's good, but. Oh, yeah. absolutely. If you're going to do like a cocktail hey, where that's just. A headache. <laughs> well, yeah, you drink. Yeah, exactly. You drink enough of them. It, it's it's a bad time. As far as like if you're just doing the simplest cocktails where it's just a soda water and an alcohol. Um, this is probably just like it's either this or like maybe Soco, like Southern Comfort and Coke is a pretty oh, common. Gross. I hate <laughs> Nasty. Dude, we can't all add fucking like, uh, you know, expensive whiskeys to the Coca-Cola like you can, my good son. Oh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I put Soco with like Fireball and like, <laughs> like Soco is nasty. No, I uh here's the thing schlagers i well i don't even know how many schlagers they have but like two of them because two of them are like minty and like uh creme de menthe and like fireball i all categorize that as like if it's like spearmint or peppermint or cinnamon or something like if it's like the, what they use in chewing gum it's n it's the worst alcohol of them all yeah. so th that those are the alcohols i don't fuck with at all Although uh, Shano had a party once at his apartment and uh, there was a lot of fireball available. So I had about seven shots of that. But um, besides that, I would never do that. <laughs> the only cool thing about rum is that it like where they make it. Um, Puerto Rico. And well, Jamaica. some of them. Yeah, I was about to say only some of them. <laughs> but it's, it's all in places that are like close to the equators. Yes. Really, really hot. So it, the reason why you see like four year old rum and everything is because it because the because of the heat, the uh, casks that they're in the wood um, expand more. Um, so they actually age. It ages way faster than it would like whiskey or whatever. I did not know that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I just knew that it was all made in the Caribbean, but I guess that's the reason why, because if you keep it warmer, it ages faster. 
that actually that makes sense though so i'm not even gonna try to refute that that it, yeah if it's hotter it would age it rapidly mm. like all the rest of the spirits i cover for my rushmore it's distilled and pretty much like all the rest of them sometimes flavoring is added and also with all the other spirits i covered it seems like you could find more flavored varieties than you can the actual straight up ones yeah, like all those banana brums or whatever. <laughs> when when I was uh, I'm going to cover this later on. And when I talk about rum, but raspberry was my my favorite flavored rum for whatever fucking bizarre oh, reason. God, dude, this sounds so gross. Yeah, because I don't like raspberry for anything else. But for some reason in rum, I'm like, wow, this is pretty legit. Although uh, in a, a Charms Blow Pop, shout out to Blow Pops. I, I like the raspberry ones. They're not my favorite, but I like them at least. And uh, I'm going to definitely have to do a candy episode because I'm, I'm such a fucking sweet tooth. It's uh, remarkable that I don't have diabetes or something. <laughs> but uh, so with uh, with the distilling process, I'm only going to cover this once and I'm going to do even more elementary than the wine. You have a liquid mixture, whatever it is. And it's um, usually like ethanol and some other stuff. But you have this liquid mixture and you boil it in something called a, a, a still. At the top of the still is a coil. And what that coil does is it collects the condensate from, from the boiling process. So con that's step two. Condensate is collected. Step three now, the condensate is either reboiled for potency and or taste. So sometimes they just distill it once. Sometimes they distill it, uh, I don't know, numerous times. Like whatever the recipe that they do calls for, basically. The one thing that's guaranteed, though, even more than the taste is when you distill it multiple times, the potency increases. That's like a given no matter what you do. So if you have a certain amount of alcohol at, at you know, one distill in, if you reboil in, distill it again, it, it goes up exponentially. So um, and then they they barrel the rum before they bottle it, basically, because like like he said, I mean. I didn't know the thing about the aging, but it's like any other alcohol. If you store it in like, you know, casks, it will draw a certain flavor from the casks and it will age it. That's what the, the purpose of that is. Typical ABV with this now, though, is way higher than wine, where the ABV is 40. What they call proofs, basically, because sometimes you hear a proof. It's just double the ABV, basically. So rum is 80 proof, for example, if it's 40 ABV. The most potent one that I know about off the top of my head, at least, is 151, which uh, that's destroyed uh, many of my nights. So <laughs> um, that's a 75.5 uh, ABV for the 151. And that is a very strong rum. And like I said, I don't know off the top of my head if there's a, a, a stronger rum. So Yeah, I, don't, I can't think of one. Yeah, I was about to say... It, yeah, if you don't know, then there certainly probably is an even one. So, shit, didn't they give me the warning? Yeah, uh, proof, proof is actually like, oh, th oh my God, I can't remember right now. It's just double the ABV, right? Or is there some specific? Yeah, but there's, a, there's like a reason why it's called proof. It's okay. because they're in like the, I want to say, I want to say the 1700s, maybe the 1600s. I can't remember. But, it like in order to be alcohol uh, or like approved in the, it was like in England somewhere. I think that's where it was created. They had to, they would do a test 
to prove that it was alcohol by lighting it on fire. But isn't all alcohol going to burn when you light it on fire? No. So like you can't not like water, you know, try to to light water on fire. Try to light a soda on fire. If you order a shot at the catwalk, uh, it will not light on fire. That's just personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it has something. It has something to do with that. I don't know. Everybody can look it up. It's something like that. That uh, it was it had something to do with like the above like the it was a proof mark you know to prove that it was uh alcohol. I am gonna find out what it is, and then I'm gonna have to remember in a future episode to be like, you know, when Lou was talking about lighting the alcohol on fire, this is what it was. Because yeah, I don't I don't really know the story behind that either. All I know is um a proof is usually double the ABV, and um. Like I said, I didn't know why it was called. I just thought it was another way to give you the ABV, basically. It's just like, but I guess there's more to it than that. <laughs> so, well, because there was no ABV before when this was created, there no, was because, yeah, there's no labs back in like 1700 or whatever. So, the, the, it would, they would give it a proof number. Um, and then we later, like, you know, 100 years later or whatever, they, they started using ABV instead. So when you see, you'll see them still use proof, but it's, yeah, it's like double, it's just double the ABV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why the number system is different. It's because they used to go off a different system, the proof system. Yeah. I think ABV is kind of actually a newer thing, but like I said, it has to do with labs. It's because they can break it down in a lab and be like, oh, this is the the content or whatever, but they couldn't do that back in like 1700. Some of the prominent brands are Kiyomi, which uh, I drank just two shots of that not too long ago, and that's why I'm continuing my fucked up. And uh, Gosling's, which uh, that's kind of a, it's not bad, but it's a rough one. If you're not a rum drinker, don't even don't even get involved with Gosling's. Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> oh man, you're such a hater. <laughs> Comes in like a plastic bottle, man. Well, the the next one does too, I think. <laughs> Malibu. Oh God! Why I like Malibu? I'll I gotta say this much just because they're a prominent brand. I'll be fair. I'll be fair because this is probably what Lou's thinking. Just because they're a prominent brand, it doesn't mean they're a great brand. I just kind of took some popular ones or ones with like that I I saw that got high ratings. I was like, oh uh, yeah, I'll throw that out there, whatever. Malibu, I only like it because I like coconut. If you like coconut, don't fuck with Malibu. Yeah, I hate coconut. Yeah, if you hate coconut, you're not gonna like Malibu. So the only rum that I can think of off the top of my head that I, I really like because I'm not really a rum fan is Zacapa. Zacapa. Uh, I know I'm not even familiar with that, but yeah. that that's probably like some real top shelf stuff. No, it's not. It's not. It's good though. Uh, uh, well, I'm gonna throw these other four out there, even though he probably gave you uh, a better brand than these next four. <laughs> He already knows what I'm going to say. I have a feeling because he was a distributor. Captain Morgan. Yep. Admiral Nelson. I used to sell that. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's not that great. It's prominent, though. Well, yeah, that's because that's almost every bar as well. I used to sell Admiral Nelson. (laughs) Uh, It's like it comes in a plastic bottle. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> uh, it's a rip off of Captain Morgan. It's super cheap. It's like really, really, really cheap. And uh, yeah, if you get like a rum and coke, 
at a bar, you're probably drinking Admiral Nelson. Yeah, if you don't ask for a specific rum and see them pour something, it's going to be Admiral Nelson or Captain Morgan. It's going to be one of the two. Captain Morgan's way more expensive than Admiral Nelson. Admiral Nelson is dirt cheap. It's Actually, dirt- you're probably right. <laughs> uh, the other one, the other two are Sailor Jerry. And Book- that too. Sailor and- Jerry, not that bad. It's super spicy, though. I don't like the spice rums, but they're popular. That's why you have like the Captain Morgans and whatnot, because it's a super it's a super popular way to drink rum is spiced. And then Bacardi to round out the 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 bunch. And uh price range is fifteen to eighty. I forget the name of the eighty dollar brand, but I bought that bottle Kiyomi. I think that was like sixty. And um now that the price of everything's gone up, that's it's probably way more now. So my thoughts on that real quick is, oh, shit, I just smashed the mic into my teeth. <laughs> I don't know. Rum was just very plentiful for me while I was drinking, whether it was illegal or legal. And that's why I, I'm just kind of a, I'm a rum guy because I just drank so much of it. Now, if, if I would have done this Rushmore like years ago before I started drinking other different things and things became more plentiful once it was legal because it was like I didn't have to rely on somebody, you know, being like, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to the, the packy, you know, what do you want or whatever? And I I really can't even see what they have. So it was like, just, you know, get me a rum or whatever, because I, I at least know what that's like or whatever. Before I could get my own alcohol, that's why I was such a rum guy, because all I knew about was like, oh, I know what Jack Daniels is like. I know what Bacardi's like. And I know what like, um, what was a cheap vodka? Because I didn't even drink Grey Goose back then. Uh, pop offs or whatever. Smirnoff. There you go. I, like I had such a like small understanding about alcohol at that time. So I was like, okay, you know, I know my limits with rum. I know what rum tastes like. Get me rum. Once I could start, I had my own like vast, in, well, not vast income, but income enough where I could buy good stuff and I could buy all sorts of different stuff. Then I, you know, I kind of moved rum to the back. So put, me putting rum on my Rushmore is almost just a throwback to basically like high school and my early days of uh, drinking. So that's why it, it, it makes number three on my list, basically. Not because rum is this like the fantastic alcohol, but I guess I like it a little more than wine because I drink rum more often than wine, but I don't drink rum more often than anything else. So that's why I got it at number three. I am going to I'm, I'm going to have to get going too. oh, uh, OK, so then uh, I'll just uh, can you spare any minutes maybe for quotes and shout outs and all that stuff or no? Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna miss your uh, your my, other. T- so I want. I just want to say these two real quick. Glendalock Rose Gin, check it out if you're a gin drinker. Also, Venturas uh, Ventura Spirits makes a gin called Wilder. It is like if you like sage, it's a, like a sage bomb. I love it. It's crazy good. Vodka, I think, is stupid. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Vodka's fine. It's for alcoholics. I mean, there's no flavor. It's just, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> you just mix it with other stuff. But uh, that's true. I do always do. Basically, I barely ever drink that if, neat. If you take cheap, cheap, cheap vodka, like pop off or whatever, and you just you can use a like a Brita filter, um, <laughs> and you just 
continuously distill it like through that uh, do like seven times it'll taste uh-huh. just like belvedere or gray goose or whatever the only one and only vodka i think it's the greatest vodka I ever made it's called reka r-e-y-k-a it's from iceland they filter it through uh lava rocks it has like this minerality to it that is excellent have you uh, had chopin yeah chopin's all right it's just vodka it tastes like vodka isn't that supposed to be like the best like what about uh Yuri Delgor uh fuck I can't think of the name of it right now. <laughs> but that's a Russian vodka that's supposed to be amazing too. Eh. It's vodka. You mix it with other shit and you can't even taste it. It just tastes like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I, I I you're you're right at least on that. I always uh I always mix it with something. I I seldom drink vodka neat. Um I mean, wine tastings for my uh, job for vodka and you know, yeah, you can taste slight differences, but once you throw it in with a salt ginger ale or whatever, it's, you don't even taste it. We got 120 seconds left. Anything you want to plug? Just check out soundcloud.com slash Lucius Fox in the feed. Uh, if you want to hear some cool uh, old school style hip hop. Atroc City. Uh, Atroc City. We are uh, halfway through the second issue right now. It'll probably be coming out in a few months. Get the first issue now if you haven't. Go to Amazon or uh, Kindle, and yeah, I think that's it. Shout out to you! Thanks no, for having me. Oh, of course. Uh, uh, always like I, I love bringing my friends on, and you're no different. Like I, I just love, I love cutting up with my buddies. I even said that to you earlier because I was like, I don't know how much time we have left, but I gotta let you know that. Also, uh, do you have any quotes or um, charities you want to plug or anything like that? Okay, charities. My buddy Smitty has a GoFundMe right now. He just had spine surgery. He's uh, and his wife has cancer. So there's a GoFundMe. Uh, if you could donate to them, Michael Smith. Uh, I think it's put on by James Fowlis. Um, and then a quote. I'm gonna quote the great Cedric Maxwell. Ask <laughs> your daddy who I was. <laughs> <laughs> when did he say that? He said that to, to Draymond Green. <laughs> ask your daddy who i was <laughs> all right uh zoom i'm very disappointed in zoom but they're about to end our meeting so all right uh i will talk to you later uh lou and i will finish up things on my end of things so thanks for having me bud oh always a pleasure man go Celts. <laughs> you got that right all yeah. right bye okay lou's lou's on his way out so we're gonna we're gonna finish up uh real quick with my last couple and then close out an episode how we always do because Lou had to attend to some business. So, uh, First thing I wanted to cover was vodka real quick. Its common ingredients are grains, potatoes, and sugar beet molasses. And of course, like anything else, that can be a little bit different, but the, the process is it's heavily filtered and then distilled. And uh, sometimes uh, within that process, flavoring is added. And um, distilling uh, is pretty much, I, I think we've already covered this, uh, a liquid mixture is boiled, the condensate is collected, and then the condensate is either reboiled for potency and taste, or it's uh, barreled before bottled. It's uh, Vodka's typical ABV is 40%, so it's 80 proof. Uh, it's, it's really usually in that range. You won't really find it much weaker or much stronger. Some of the, the, the prominent brands of the um, 
Yuri Dolgorki. I can't. I have such a hard time with that label. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying it, but you know, Lou disagrees. Belvedere's probably that's really my favorite because out of all the things I can get my hands on, I can get my hands on that, and um, that's just the best that I can at least get my hands on. And uh, Grey Goose is a that's a very good vodka too. That that's probably be my second choice for stuff I can actually you know afford sometimes. <laughs> then this Delichnia. That's just, I I only ever buy that cause if, if I'm really in the mood for mixing it. And like I said, I, I rarely even have vodka neat, but I appreciate like Belvedere and Grey Goose. I, I I can have those neat or I can mix them. They're, they're great either way to me. Stilichnia is not great if you're not mixing it. So um, I always have a, a bottle of that for, for mixing. But with the, you know, the embargo in, in place will probably be a, a while before I, I get some st- Stoli again, so. And then a, a couple more. Um, Smirnov, that's just really affordable. And, again, it's uh, it's triple distilled, but it's I don't really find it all that great, but it's not terrible. Like, I'll, I'll choose it over, like, uh, Pop-Obs or whatever that uh, that store brand gut rod is. And then, uh, last not but uh, least but not last, is Tito's, which is, it's not... Uh, it must be like a new one because um I've bought I've bought in it before and it was it was smooth and it's um they make it in America so good on them, but it's also something I'm not really familiar with like I never, I never drank them like high school or college or uh, anything so um yeah that's just that's that one's a new one to me maybe I've I've only been familiar with the name for a couple of years or whatever, they advertise like crazy I forget on what maybe ninety eight five the sports hub or something but. I'm always hearing a a Tito's ad on there. So typical price range, you're looking at like twelve dollars to like hundreds of dollars. Like that Belvedere I bought, that's like that, that humongous bottle. I I can't even I can't remember what I paid uh, right now. Um, <laughs> it's getting late into an episode, so but yeah, that's not hundreds, but it was it was pretty expensive. But there's like yeah, there's some like really rare vodkas and they charge hundreds of dollars. I've never seen anything going to like the thousands or anything like that though. So my my feeling with uh, vodka is I've gone on to appreciate it way more over the years. So so much so, in fact, it wouldn't even made like my rush more maybe like twenty years ago or so. That's not to say that I didn't like you know drink it when it was available or whatever cuz when you're you when you're just trying to get stupid in high school you know you kind of take whatever's available and then when you know when you're actually at like the drinking age or whatever then you can be more selective so i you know my first experiences with vodka really was just like okay it's it's whatever what somebody was able to score from uh you know their parents liquor cabinet or or what have you, or were able to use a fake and, you know, buy it, or, you know, whatever the case is. So, when, you know, when it was just there, I was like, okay, I'm going to drink this, because it's, it's, it's what it is, and, you know, but as, as I got older, I, I kind of shied away from it, because it's like, I can buy whatever the fuck I want now, and I, I really like some of these beers, and, you know, um, I like, the you know, I like a white Russian for a cocktail, and, you know, this, that, and the other. So vodka kind of fell off my radar. And then, I don't know, I just, I got the hankering for it, and then, so I moved, 
Grey Goose, and then it was, you know, on to Belvedere. I started just drinking, you know, the better stuff. It wasn't like, oh, I got to... Because it was always, like, cheap vodka before, so it was like, why didn't I even want to fuck with it? And then I started getting the better stuff, so that's what kind of drew me back to it. Okay, the final spirit that I selected may blow everybody's fucking balls away with my pick. And it's probably it's probably getting harder to figure out the you know like what what pick I made. So I'm just gonna gin. Gin is my George Washington. Uh I love gin. I don't I can't explain why. A lot of people hate it. Um a lot of people are like, oh that tastes like a fucking tree or whatever. I don't know. And uh, they're not com- completely wrong because there's one common ingredient for all gins. And then it gets way different after this, but juniper berries. That's the that's the only common ingredient. Juniper berries are in every gin. Now, there's so many different ways you can flavor it. Like Bombay Sapphire has a crazy ingredients list and, uh, you know, other makers do their own thing or whatever. But they all have juniper berries. And like I said, this is I think they'll just blow everybody away because... You know, when people are selecting their favorite thing, it's, oh, my favorite thing is rum or or wine or beer or, you know, and I, I, I that's the only kind of criteria I put to myself is, is like, you're not going to put beer on this list. You're going to do everything but beer because beer is so complex it, it, and it deserves its own episode. And I'll definitely do like a beer rush more sometime, you know, but it's, <laughs> all four are probably going to be a Samuel Adams <laughs> Not that there's other. I mean, there's other good ones. I'll I'll be fair. There's like uh, Fat Tire and and whatnot. And like Harpoon makes a lot of good stuff too. And uh, Occulto. Uh, I have really fond memories of that beer. <laughs> so I'll try to be fair. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But I didn't want to do that on this list. And um, this really is the the Rushmore though. And this is this is really my number one. I love gin. Gin is like my green eggs and ham. I can eat it and I can drink it. <laughs> eat it. I'm really fucking drunk. I can uh I can drink it anywhere. I can drink it uh through my hair. I don't <laughs> however the fucking Dr. Seuss rhyme. <laughs> but yeah, gin's uh that's my number one. That's my main squeeze. So um yeah, I love gin. Uh let's move on to the process now. Um Fermenting mash is distilled, and then flavoring is almost always added. I don't, I can't think of a gin where it's just like, okay, it's juniper, juniper berries. We fermented it, distilled it. It's good to go. There might be one like that. There might be a really clean, clean, clean gin that's just juniper, but I'm not familiar with it. All the gins I've ever had, it feels like they added some sort of flavoring to it. We already went over, I'm not going to go over the process of uh, distilling again. We've, I feel like we've covered it probably like 800 times during this episode. May, well, maybe not. That's probably, a, that's hyperbolic, but. <laughs> um, typical ABV, a little lower than vodka, 37.5%. Prominent brands, uh, I don't even feel, I'm so, so loyal to Bombay Sapphire that I think um, when I'm done and said with this episode, I feel like I might contact them to be, ask if I could be the spokesman. That's how fucking loyal I am to Bombay Sapphire. But I guess I'll be fair. So uh, a couple more are Beefeater, Plymouth, 
Shout out to Plymouth, Mass. <laughs> Even though I think I think they make that in uh, Plymouth, England. But shout out, <laughs> shout out to both Plymouths. And then uh, Tanqueray, which is that's that's probably the one that everybody knows. They advertise the most in their. I see a million balls of Tanqueray versus just a couple of Bombay Sapphire whenever I walk into a packy. So that just goes to show you who pushes more but doesn't push better. Cause uh, yeah, if if uh, Queen Vic ain't on your bottle, you're fucked up. That's how I uh, look at gin. That's my that's my gin philosophy. Oh, and uh, since we're speaking about gin, not the best guy in Tekken. Just want to throw that out there real quick. I mean, he's good, and I'll use him over a lot of other fools, but he's he's probably like mid range for me. Like, there's a lot of the better Tekken guys, and uh, I I think maybe a Tekken episode or at least a fighting uh, episode is in order. Cause I don't know if I could talk about Tekken for an hour, but. Once you throw Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat in that conversation, oh, fuck, yeah. So. But, uh, you know, price range, 16 is, like, the cheapest. 250 is, like, the highest. Again, Bombay Sapphire is going, I think, like, 35 for a 750. So nothing too crazy. And then the other ones I mentioned, too, they're, like, no, nothing's, like, crazy expensive on uh, on this list. I, I I tried to keep it pretty reasonable. But I, I, you know, I throw out the whole range anyways, just because I, I just want people to know, you know, what what's it like out there. But I, I don't think there's anything higher than that. Okay, before I move on to remem- my remember four things, I got to tell the cucumber cocktail story. That's what this story is called. So uh, I'm dating my my wife at the time, and uh, our favorite spot to go was like Uno's, and this was like Uno's had like a billion locations in Massachusetts. And now they've they've closed like a ton of them, and thankfully I live sandwiched between two of them, so if one Uno's pisses me off, I can always go to the other. But I like Uno's, so you know it's it's pretty fortunate that you know I have two around me. I like Uno's so much, in fact, that I worked there for a few months, and then I got I didn't get fired, but I got I don't I wasn't really laid off. It's I don't know really not know how to describe it. It was like a mutual understanding where it's like I'm not going to show up anymore basically. Cuz and, and and that's not to say I quit either though. It was like they didn't really have work for me. So I was showing up every week and then they'd be like, "Oh, you know, cuz I was I was an expo what they call it, expo cook like I sometimes had to make desserts or salads, but for the most of the time, I was just preparing the stuff to actually go out, which is kind of a weird job. You think they just have the chef do all that, but so that's what I was doing though. I'd like uh, I'd get sauces ready or condiments, or I'd put breadsticks on stuff that needed it. I'd uh, like I said, making making salads, making copies. Oh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider is a stapler. <laughs> All right, back to what we were talking about though. So yeah, um. I would do like I would do very little stuff and um I made more than the dishwashers but they got paid under the table. The only real good perk to my job was I could order like whatever I wanted off the menu. I could get one thing. So it's not like I could order off the menu and get multiple things and multiple quantities of those things. I would just get like I'd get whatever I wanted basically and that would be what I'd take home for the day. One of the managers, the one that was like had a hair up his ass uh, he didn't like that, but I reminded him that I'm allowed to get whatever I wanted, and he didn't like that. 
But, uh, yeah, I thought I'd just throw out that detail out there. He was a nice guy, but he was a prick about that. But so, yeah, things started slowing down at Uno's. I don't know if it was just the trend or the business because that location didn't last very long, not too long after. So, But, um, yeah, like I said, I was an expo guy. They didn't have work for me. So I started talking to my other buddy. Shout out to Sean O. And um, he secured me a job at uh, Olympia because he was a, a store manager there. And uh, it was perfect timing, though, because, like I said, I would show up. I'd show up for, like, this is my day to work. Oh, can't use you tonight. Sorry. And then it started It started going down to we can only use you once a week when I was doing, like, three or four nights of that. So it got to a point where I'm like, why am I? Why am I bothering? Because it's it's getting to weeks now where like two weeks straight you even had you haven't had one night for me to work and I'm fucking showing up and you're just like turning me away or whatever. It was a really bizarre situation because they didn't fire me, they didn't lay me off, and I didn't quit. But I wasn't working. It's the weirdest weirdest thing, weirdest concept ever. So I liked working there. Because I was in love with one of the waitresses, Amy. Shout out to Amy. Um, I don't know what she's up to nowadays, and I'm not going to find out. But, yeah, I loved her. My buddy Kevin worked there. Shout out to Kevin. And then there was this crazy guy, Weaver, who worked there. He was very entertaining. He got mad at me, though, when I threw away a, uh empty can of uh, whipped cream, though, because he wanted to huff it or whatever. So that was odd. But um, then there was Toondy and... Uh, uh, a, a, a guy who used to be a buddy of mine not that I hate the guy now but he, we're just not like friends anymore or whatever but his sister worked there so shout out to Paige I don't know it's just like I like I said between so like a couple buddies and you know a couple good looking girls you know it was, a, it was a good place to work but yeah they just they did me weird at the end so whatever but still like I said the love was there so, you know, me and the missus would we'd go to Uno's a lot because we both loved it. And even she worked there. Not the same location as me, but I think she worked Kingston or or somewhere along South Shore, like Hanover or wherever. So, you know, she even she worked Uno's. We both loved the place. So uh, getting to the meat of the story, though, now. So, like I said, I was dating her, and we went there on a date. And, uh, you know... Uh, I'm not a alcoholic per se, but I like to have a a cocktail or two now and again. What of it? So uh, I see this this gin cocktail with a, a brand I wasn't even familiar with. It wasn't like they used Bombay Sapphire or something. So uh, I see green stuff in it though, and uh, I don't know if the the picture was bad or I'm just blind or whatever the case is. I didn't I didn't bother asking though. I probably should have, but I was like. Oh, that's interesting. You know, maybe it's like a mojito. They threw a little bit of mint in there. I I can fucking deal with that. Let's see. Let's see what it does. See if it spices up things a little bit. So you know, we're doing our typical stuff. Like you order drinks first. Every restaurant operates that way. Would you like a drink and an appetizer? Oh yeah, the stuffed mushrooms sound splendid, and it could be a soda. You know, that's how that always goes. So, but um, me, being the not-alcoholic that I am, I still got an alcoholic drink anyways, though. So, yeah, I see this cocktail. I'm like, e- you know, give me that or whatever. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm enjoying conversation with my wife. They're playing Radiohead. I remember this specifically because this was uh, a crazy moment in life, and sometimes you remember the soundtrack when that happens. So, 
they're playing High and Dry by, you know, Radiohead or whatever. So I'm sitting there talking to my wife. I'm enjoying the music. Uh, they bring the drinks out. I look in my drink, and then I realize that the green things that they put in my cocktail are my mortal enemy. I said, you know, what? I didn't really get mad at them, but I'm like, what is this about? Or whatever. And then she's like, oh, you know, they, they add cucumbers to this. I thought you saw it in the picture. I was like, I didn't know what those green things were, but I didn't think they were cucumbers. So it turns out they fucking put cucumbers in this gin because this particular gin uses cucumbers during the process for a, a flavoring, which, frankly, that is fucking disgusting and despicable and any of the other D words you want to fucking shake at it. Uh, pun in, intended with you know, shaking a D at things. Anyways, though. But the the point of the story is, though, I, I, I call this, you know, I'm going to do an enemies list. And because uh, I, I think that it should be a funny topic to talk about, just things that I completely hate. And uh, I don't really want to spoil it, even though, you know, spoilers are frequent on, on this podcast. But cucumbers are going to be somewhere on that list. I ate a cucumber once in the form of a pickle. And I, I didn't I didn't blame the pickle or the pickle industry or the vinegar or any of the other things. I blame the cucumber, and I've stayed away from them ever since. So cucumbers are the fucking enemy. They're the nightmare. They're every bad thing that you want to think of wrapped up in a fruit. So they don't even taste that great anyways, though. Who, who fucking likes a cucumber like that? Uh, I mean, pickles, whatever. Pickles are fucking super popular. But who's like, oh, I could really go for a fucking cucumber right now, bro. I'd expect like a, a freaking like the sack to maybe say something like that, but I can't imagine that like people who actually like eat cucumbers or whatever would be like, oh, I could really go for a fucking cucumber right now. Oh, okay, yeah, right. You could go for a pickle right now. I doubt you could go for a fucking cucumber. But anyways, though, yeah, I like I said, ate that pickle once. I'm pretty. I'm I'm convinced now that I'm fucking allergic to cucumbers. Cucumbers are the enemy. I stay away from them. That cocktail pretty much insulted me when it was presented before me. But I, I didn't flip out on the waitress or anything like that. That was just like, what say you of this? Because <laughs> like I said, that really that took me aback. Because I, I really thought it was like mint leaves from the picture. Like, I'm not lying. Like, I didn't think I'd fucking throw cucumber slices in there. That just seems like so much of an effort anyways. You already fucking, you distill it with the cucumbers. Why do you, because you're trying to be fucking Johnny Fancy? Get out of here with that bullshit. Come on now. Okay, we are ending our show. Uh, Lou already did his uh, Remember Four Things stuff. He threw out, you know, plugs and uh, whatnot. So I'm going to close out with mine. So um, my quote is from Ted Lange who is, uh, if you don't know who that is, bartender on uh, the fucking The Love Boat. The Love Boat! That old sitcom from, like, uh, I don't know, started probably, like, the 70s, 78 to 86, I want to say. That's actually pretty fucking successful, if I'm right. That's, like, <laughs> that's, like, eight seasons. That's crazy if they were that successful. But, um... I don't know. Check it out. See if you like it. You might enjoy watching it. But yeah, he's he's the bartender. But this is what he said, anyways. Though I believe in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. But huh? Islamism? No. That well. Okay, I'm gonna read it as I 
found it, I guess. <laughs> that just took me aback. I was going to say Islam and move on, but then I was like, wait, no, there's ism at the end of that. <laughs> but that sounds wrong, but okay. I believe in Christianity, Judaism, and Islamism, but I stay away from churches, synagogues, and mosques. This, like, I, I wanted a, a bartender quote, and a lot of, the, like, the, I was looking for Sam Malone, actually. Shout out to Cheers. Shout out to Marcus for liking Cheers. <laughs> I was looking for a Sam Malone quote, though, and nothing really, like, blew my balls away. So, uh, I was like, oh, who's another, you know, famous bartender or whatever? So, I came across him and uh, Ted Lynch. And like I said, though, um, I'm I'm not like I'm not like a anti-religious guy, or it's certainly not like I be- I actually believe in Christianity, and Judaism fascinates the hell out of me, and I respect some of the tenets to to Islam, because I I recognize at the end of the day it's all the same God, so you know y- you have um you have Christianity which you know they recognize Jesus. Judaism, not so much, unless the Messianic. And then Islam recognizes Isa, but not as, you know, the son of God. He's a prophet. So, you know, they're all the same. They're all the same Abrahamic God, though, at the end of the day. Even if you call them God, uh, Jehovah, or uh, Allah, like, they're all, it's all the same God. So don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, I believe in Christianity and I, I don't really necessarily stay away from the churches. I stay away from the other two because, you know, that's their places of worship. And so, it, don't, don't mistake it for me, like, avoiding it like the plague. But I'm just saying I don't go to those places particularly. And uh, if, I, if I were invited, though, I would. And I would try to, you know, um, adhere to their customs as, as, as much as possible. So I think I'd actually like to do that one day, just kind of visit a, a synagogue and a, a mosque and kind of partake in um, at least the way that they worship the same God that I worship. Because at the end of the day, that's what I recognize, the same Abrahamic God. But this quote kind of spoke to me because that's just kind of how I've been lately, though, where I believe in the Christianity, but I stay away from the church. And I just, I actually want to get better about doing that, but th- the 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 main reason is not even so much that I'm just trying to diss the the you know I'm not trying to diss the church or anything like that but it's like I just don't even have the time and my job's very demanding as far as that goes but that's why this this, this quote kind of stuck out to me because even though it's not alcohol related it was from a wise bartender and it's just kind of the point I'm in my life right now where I don't want to necessarily stay away from the church but I certainly do. But I also, I do believe in, you know, uh, God and Christ and, and the Holy Spirit. And I, there's, uh, there's things I don't believe in in those religions. And believe me, I've already covered some and I will continue to cover some. But at the end of the day, I at least, you know, I have that belief in God. I have that belief in Jesus. And I have a weird connection with the Holy Spirit, but I don't disregard it either. So, All right, my shout-outs, of course, Lou. Thanks for coming on again. We'll have you again in the future. I got you slated for like, I don't know, like two more episodes this year. So I think you, you're you going to outdo maybe Chris, maybe not, because Chris is going to come come back a bunch of times uh, in, in the 2.5. So 
Chris will probably still add add edge you a bit in the appearances, but uh yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on again in the future. And uh, you know, just thanks to all my guests though, like Chris and and everybody that's been on, everybody that will be on. So, you know, thanks to all the guests. Um thanks to all those who make wine and spirits. You know, it's just I'm like I said, I'm not an alcoholic, but I do enjoy alcohol. I don't I don't drink it to excess typically. I'm not a teetotaler per se. I guess I'm a teetotaler in the eyes of somebody who is like a fucking rabid drunk, but yeah, I just you know, I enjoy alcohol now and again. I never really have it more than like twice a week, even if I'm like on a vacation week and maybe that's the only time I ever I'll ever have it more than twice. But yeah, just shout out to the, you know, all the manufacturers and um, whatever. Not just wine and spirits, beer. You know, anything I enjoy, basically. So, you know, thanks for making those things so I can enjoy them and other people can enjoy them. And uh, hopefully you can give me a sponsorship and I can be a spokesman for uh, <laughs> all the various things I enjoy that you make. So, And uh, just shout out to the Boston Celtics, too. Shout out to them. They've come a long way this way, this this year, rather. So, you know, good on them because... Uh, it looked like a, it was a disappointment. It was going to be a disappointing year. It's like they got a good team, but they're just not figuring it out. And then they did, and you know, they're uh, they uh, they if the if your team makes the playoffs, it's a good thing. Whether they get kicked out in the first round or they they go all the way, it's a good thing. So shout out to the the Boston Celtics. As always, donate to an ALS charity. ALSA.org and ALS.org. That is the ALS Association. And good night, Malcolm Butler, wherever you are.